Nice. <laughs> On today's episode of Drunk Dudes Talking Wrestling, Chad is back to join us, and we're going to talk, uh, well, finally, retro beer ratings. We're doing Over the Edge from 1998, and we have our weekly recap. Uh, from everything this week, Monday Night Raw actually had a good show. NXT 2.0 week two and Dynamite Grand Slam. And I guess also SmackDown from last week. And also we're going to have our predictions for the Extreme Rules pay-per-view that we have on Sunday. We'll be making our predictions for that. And uh, we're all really fucking tired because... Joe's been up on well, Joe's on shift work, which is unusual. Chad and I are always on shift work. So uh we got about, I don't know, five or six hours of sleep. Joe's been up through the night. Uh yeah. We're all really fucking tired. But it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be a lot of fun. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at DDT WrestlePod. You can follow me and Untapped at Dylan Free. You can follow Joe on Untapped at Joe Kalinowski. We're going to have a, I don't know, I'm hoping not a less than energetic show today, but like I said, we're really tired. So we'll see what happens. You guys ready to go? Chad gives a thumbs oh, up. Oh, yeah. Joe? Mm yeah oh, let's go Welcome into episode 25 of the Drunk Dudes Talking Wrestling, quarter of a century, Mark. We really did it. How's uh, how's everyone doing? I'd have a sleep. You'd have a sleep? Yeah. I just, I just got up from a sleep. Yeah. It was less than enjoyable. You know, times when you're like, I'm going to definitely leave work and I'm going to definitely get home and I'm definitely going to get at least six hours of sleep. That did not happen as planned. Oh, well, we're in the business of not talking about work. So we'll, we'll just uh, we'll just leave that up to uh, everyone else's imagination. Yeah, but I'll leave, it, I'll leave it like that. We are in the business of talking about wrestling. So uh, we can do a little bit of cleanup from last week. Uh, to begin with so by now pretty sure everyone that's a wrestling fan or at least most people and also the three of us have watched last week's episode of dark side of the ring what's uh what's everyone's thoughts there with uh how everything played out do you think are we are we thinking that it's as bad as the internet made it out to be oh i've had to correct a lot of people this week about 
Ric Flair being canceled and not just the people that you would expect. I don't think I've, I've heard as many Ric Flair references until after, after I, I saw that episode, like people, people, I just don't even know talking about Ric Flair. What did you have to correct them about? Well, I saw Ric Flair woo. And then they followed up by saying, yeah, dude, like Ric Flair or something to that effect. I'm like, got to cut that out. It wasn't, it wasn't just you. Okay. I was going to say, it happened on maybe one other occasion. <laughs> I give chest, I give chest chops to a lot of people at work. And, uh, I definitely have still been doing that this entire week because it's fun. Mm-hmm. But now I can't say woo after it. Yeah. My opinion on this whole thing, don't cancel me for saying this, is I didn't think it was as bad as I expected. The internet may have seemed like it was going to be super terrible, and the things that certain people did were terrible, and they do deserve to be canceled. But when I first heard about it on the internet, I expected like this crazy show where like 30 wrestlers are going to be canceled. But it kind of is exactly what I expected it to be like in the 90s, knowing these people already. It, it wasn't overly shocking, I guess. Not that it wasn't overly bad. It was bad. It just wasn't as shocking, I think, as I expected it to be. Yeah. I'm still not like a huge... Uh, I guess I never was, but I'm still not a huge supporter of the whole Tommy Dreamer comments of basically guys... It, it was just guys being dudes. Things you don't say in 2021. Yeah, that one was just still just ridiculous to watch. Like, what the fuck are you thinking, dude? And Uh, now, I don't remember if we talked about it last week, but he just abruptly was suspended. I don't think he got fired from Impact, but he was at least suspended from Impact. He was indefinitely suspended. Yeah, so good for Impact. I feel like that's the right move. I mean, yeah, but when, I when feel Im- like a firing could also have been the right move, but when impact starts, uh, when impact starts cutting their roster, impacts in trouble. <laughs> well, good news. He hasn't, he's wrestled like one time in the last like six to eight months and it was not an overly entertaining performance. So impacts not really losing out too much on Tommy dreamer. He's more of like a backstage personality. Yeah. yeah, I was going to ask you, Chad, uh, can you confirm whether or not that they will be all right without Tommy Dreamer? <laughs> oh, they'll, they'll be fine. I promise. Uh, I'd say of, of that episode, Dustin was who I felt the worst for. I told Dylan this last night, actually. I was so scared when they started talking about Dustin Rhodes that he was going to be some kind of like involvement that was like overly bad like i got scared that i was going to find out that one of my all-time favorite wrestlers when i was a kid was like a sexual predator like rick flair was or something like that but no he was just like drunk and super sad yeah and like missed his ex-wife and i was like oh god at least there's like i mean i know he like dips spit in the back of a chair seat and that's not like not good but (laughs) That's the one thing that he got in trouble for. Thank God it's not like helicopter dicking himself at a flight attendant. Yeah, it was. He got super drunk, installed the phone, and sang sang a sad song, and then passed out drunk. I'm like, yeah, damn, dude. And then the funniest thing that we heard from the episode, which wasn't funny at at the root of it, because because of how she found out, 
but Brock Lesnar getting called out for having the smallest, most red dick. (laughs) (laughs) She said, she said something like, I don't, I didn't even know they got that red. (laughs) Yeah. Those comments are hilarious. The, The him, the him doing it. Not so much, but Terry making those comments was hilarious. Yeah. I haven't seen anything about Brock Lesnar. No, because WWE is not going to do shit about it because it's Brock Lesnar. Sort of like how they didn't do anything like at the end of the episode where the interviewer is asking Jim Ross, like, so basically talking about how Jim Ross was the one who had to lay down the law for everyone and like Goldust got fined. Uh, someone else got fired that I don't remember who it was. Mr. Perfect. And yeah, Mr. Scott Perfect. Hall. Yeah, Mr. Perfect got fired. And then, yeah, Scott Hall got fired, which what he the stuff that he did was like, what the fuck, dude? I understand, like, the fact that he was just absolutely gone on pills and just super hammered. But like, what the fuck? Like, even even in that sort of state. If you're subconsciously doing something like that, like getting so drunk that you pull a woman into you and you're like, I want to lick you. Yeah. And then proceed to do so. Like if you subconsciously do that when you're that fucking gone, like you have issues and you should probably get that shit fixed. You know how I felt bad for the entire episode was just incredible who had a deal with Scott Hall's fucking limp corpse through a whole airport yeah yeah and then when he was talking about like the airport thing where he like put the sunglasses on him and did like the whole uh he has a uh, condition yeah like yeah sorry he's got a he's got a condition and then he just showed people his passport and jim ross saw him like somewhere in the airport and just started shaking his head at just incredible and it's like what the fuck like what was i supposed to do (laughs) Or was option one, leave him on plane drunk, passed out, or two, help him through the airport. I yeah. took options two, don't fucking shrug your head at me, JR. Yeah. Poor JR though. Like the whole time, like the, the craziest thing about the whole thing was like Vince is on the plane and just does like I'm just trying to imagine because it's not like there's between the, the first class area and the the rest of the plane like it's not like there's a fucking door that they couldn't hear all this shit going on so like vince had to have heard all the shit that was going on and he just sends his fucking lackey jim ross back there to do all the dirty work and does absolutely nothing about anything yeah i don't i don't remember who it was but somebody confirmed that the mcmahons were not on the plane oh really yeah well i thought in the episode they said they were on the plane they did yeah Yeah, but then it then there was a tweet of some sort that said the the mcmahon's were in fact not on the plane interesting who's who's to say who's to believe the documentary series or twitter i don't know because i'm pretty sure neither of those things you can lie on so (laughs) (laughs) and then there's like beef between uh Ric Flair and RVD right now because oh yeah, RVD is basically saying nah, I didn't see anything. They they cut 
they cut my interview in a way that it made it seem like I was blatantly calling Ric Flair out, but I've never seen Ric Flair's penis and I didn't see him do those things. But Ric Flair saying he's just basically criminalizing me, defaming. Yeah. Also, Ric Flair just being the like a senile old man and the P- his PR group being like, hey, probably shouldn't make any comments or any statements about this. And he even wrote like he made a statement and was like, they told me not to make a statement, but I'm going to make a statement. Yeah. And then basically just like denied everything. So this was like, this is my statement. I didn't do that. Woo. Enter. Send. Thanks, Twitter. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so there's probably going to be some more fallout from this. So we'll probably have more to talk about with this as it unfolds in the coming weeks or months. You, you know what I was really excited about? And it ended up not being the case. The, uh, really the ex- women's tag team championship. Match. No, no. I really thought that after this, we wouldn't see the Ric Flair car shield commercial again. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> and I saw that goddamn car shield commercial. Yep. <laughs> or at least like a different take on it where L.A. Knight beats him down. Yeah. <laughs> you want to hear the worst part about the car shield commercial is that when I watch all the indie stuff, WA and Impact and all that, they're on apps that only have like a short rotation of commercials and it's the same commercials every time it's still the car shield commercial after that episode so i'm still seeing it three to four times an episode <laughs> i'm gonna guess three it's I'm, I'm gonna guess the three commercials on rotation are that some geico commercial with the lizard uh and the the tag team scoop there it is commercial well I'm, i was i'm thinking the uh the Domino, no, the Out Pizza the Hut commercial. I wish it was all those things. It's not nearly the quality of commercial that you expected it was. It's more like the general car shield and then an NWA commercial on repeat. Yeah, I guess because I guess that makes sense because if anyone needs car insurance, it's wrestling fans, I guess. During yeah. Impact, the one that always plays over and over again, almost twice per commercial set is the Dear Evan Hansen commercial. I don't even know what the fuck that is. It's a musical movie that's coming out, and it's the same commercial. So you'll break on commercial from Impact, and you'll get that musical movie commercial twice, followed by the Car Shield commercial, followed by more wrestling commercials. Yeah, but I bet you really want to see that musical now, though. Oh, I know the words to songs now with how often they play this <laughs> All right, um, let's just touch on some other news here. I guess the other big news from this week was the news that AEW is going to basically honor Owen Hart's legacy. They're going to do, like, action figures, put him in the their video game and do the, the an annual tournament for him. Uh, Chad had talked to me about some thoughts that he had on that. I haven't really gotten to talk to you, Joe, about it yet. So what's uh, – how do you how do you feel about it because the internet is i would say most of the internet or at least what i see because i guess these people get the most reactions so it shows up on my timeline they're really fucking upset about it i haven't seen anything upset i i I guess i've just seen informational stuff um and then i saw one post about basically 
making Martha Hart trust wrestling again, which is, I guess is a pretty big thing. Because if you watch that Dark Side episode, she was pretty, pretty upset with WWE and the wrestling business. Yeah. Um, and now Martha is teaming up with AEW. I don't know. I, I don't have any negative reaction to it, I guess. What was the basis behind why people were upset about it? Because he's a WWE guy and they thought like AEW is like basically grabbing headlines and stealing the the legacy from WWE. Despite the fact that WWE does nothing to honor the legacy, just like everyone was super upset about it. So remember the Dark Right Side episode? They're not really allowed to do anything because the family of Owen Hart won't let them use his likeness anymore she won't like let wwe do anything with his name on it like they wanted to put him in the hall of fame and she told them no so i mean i don't want to like fault wwe and say like they haven't done enough to honor him they're not really allowed to because obviously they were involved in what happened right but these are really uh sound-minded wrestling fans online that obviously know all of that so yeah yeah it's just the, the same WWE marks. The 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 internet is just like so it's so fucking divided between AEW and WWE fans. Like there's a couple sprinkled in that always like will write like something on there that's like, why can't we all just be wrestling fans? Like, why do you have to pick a side? Which I a hundred percent agree with. The people that pick sides between the two, it's like, well, like, what is your fucking goal here? Like just watch both things it's all good wrestling yeah my original take was i was thinking it was a shot at wwe and then i thought to myself every other company has like a background of legends that they're able to feature if they were to use a video game or do a package or something like that you know obviously wwe owns so much content back to like the 40s you know, impact is all this stuff from when they were NWA before that NWA has before that AEW doesn't have anything. So the fact that they're like honing in on something to create like their legends stable and then use it in the video game and then create some kind of like heritage. It's not really a bad thing. I just, they're not really going to be able to do much other than like show pictures of Owen Hart or something. But yeah. Oh, I think it's a bad thing. Yeah, and then eventually they could probably use like Jake Roberts, Tully Blanchard, Arn Anderson, Sting. Only the other three I could think of other than Sting, yeah. Yeah. But then again, they couldn't use old footage of those guys anyway. They can't do like what WWE does in their video game with their legends because the old footage is all owned by WWE still. Yeah, so I ass- I assume it's just going to be a playable character in the video game. Uh, I'm I'm pretty excited for them to actually do the tournament, though. I don't know when it's going to be. I would assume next year, uh, some point. But it could kind of be a hit at uh, at WWE still doing the Dustin Rhodes Cup with the both the Rhodes being all elite. Mm. But I don't really see it that way. I don't know if they're like I don't know if those two guys are like super upset that the fact that they honor him though with that. Because also he was like he was such an integral part of NXT, and for them to do that tournament like in NXT is huge for for those people. Yeah. Even though I feel like never really heard AEW mad at NXT, you know? Yeah. 
also like the, the other thing I was going to say is like also the, the other thing is I feel like most of the people that are signing with NXT now never actually met Dustin or uh, yeah, Dusty Rhodes and like, and by most of them, I feel like probably all of them. Yeah. It's mostly like all the old guys or the people that have been in NXT for years now. Yeah. A uh, couple other quick things here. So uh, TBS is on the come up, it seems like, because AEW. So there's a rumored or a, a rumor that they're going to have a TBS title for the women's division as like a secondary championship, sort of like how the men's division has the TNT championship. And then I also saw on social media this morning that Dynamite is going to be moving to TBS per, like permanently early next year. I think it's a January 5th. Yeah, I had read that. I had read something about them moving away from TNT back a, a while ago, actually. It was a, an interview with Cody Rhodes, and I guess I guess it's gaining traction now. Yeah. It'll be sandwiched between the Seinfeld and Friends marathons that happen every day on TBS. Oh, and Armageddon. <laughs> <laughs> Do they have Armageddon on TBS? I feel like Armageddon is one of those movies that, that gets played on TBS or TNT pretty often. Yeah, I was going to say TNT is definitely... A, I feel like TBS more often has like your like your Judd Apatow comedies on there. <laughs> uh, tonight on TBS is Creed 2, followed by four episodes of Friends. So, Yeah, Creed 2 was good. Yeah, I was going to say that sounds like a hell of a night. If you're not, if you're not you're a wrestling, fan. <laughs> I was gonna say if you're not a wrestling fan and you're not watching SmackDown and then Rampage, yeah, but they have that fake fighting, boxing, Creed two. That's true. Is Creed Creed two is the one where he fights uh, Drago's kid, right? Yeah, yeah. I think I've seen that one. That was pretty good. All right, uh, that's it. That's really it with the news that I had this week. Uh, so we're gonna move into the retro beer ratings. Uh, that we were supposed to have last week, Joe. Uh, we talked or we watched this week uh, Over the Edge in Your House from 1998. And I've got, I've got five signs. I've got five signs for the pay-per-view. I got a lot. You have a, Joe, do you have any signs? I didn't have any signs. I have some quotes, obviously. You got no signs. Yeah, I didn't have any signs. I might have a sign. I don't remember. I'm stuck. All right. Let it just put this up right now. I'm already thinking Joe didn't actually watch the pay-per-view. I watched the pay-per-view. He says he has quotes. <laughs> yeah. He might have listened to the pay-per-view. Oh, yeah. He might have listened to a podcast of it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um. So... I guess Chad and I will go back and forth. Uh, Chad, I'll give you the one that you talked talk to me about last night. So uh, first one I had is uh, right now my dog is peeing on the floor. Which I rem that. that reminded I think that one was like one that you could only catch like the side, like a very shitty angle of it. And I'm pretty sure I, re I remember pausing it just so I could read what the sign said. But that reminded me of the one that I saw when I was in uh, Jacksonville at SmackDown where it was like, my wife thinks I'm in line at Chick-fil-A. I didn't see that one. I must not have uh, caught the glimpse of that one. 
Uh, the one I talked to you about last night, which is my personal favorite from the whole night, nothing yells redneck 1990s wrestling fan like this sign does, is China does Viagra, but does was spelled D-U-Z. <laughs> China does Viagra. Was that a... Uh... Was was this pay per view like sponsored by Viagra or something? Because I have a Viagra quote from Jr. Maybe it was like right after they uh, <laughs> they pulled that sign up. That was in the middle of the DX match. I think uh, they did mention that sign, so it might have or like it. It might have been like in response to them seeing the sign when they were watching it, like on the monitors or something. I don't know. I I, I have a. And during during the first match, LOD versus DOA, obviously Jerry Lawler was objectifying Sonny, and JR says, You better lay off Viagra. Yeah, I got that one. Yeah. Um the Viagra. Yeah. He said that there was something else that was followed up by that. <laughs> yeah, some other ones I got. Uh there was a sign that said, Look at our dumbasses. I remember that one specifically because there was like these guys walking behind the first section and they were I guess they were walking to get some beers, but they also had their signs with them. So they held up their <laughs> signs as they walked by. And it just said, Look at our dumbasses. <laughs> and then uh another one that said Goldberg fucking sucks. Yeah, I saw that one. And then uh, Chad, I know that I know at least one other one that you have, so I'll let you. Nothing says Southern Redneck in Milwaukee like a sign that says I need head in the middle of a wrestling pay-per-view. <laughs> but that could have probably I, Al Snow and head. Yeah, that's what Those I told him last night. Al Snow and head because yeah. it was when he <laughs> randomly showed up speaking Spanish in the middle of some <laughs> random match that I, I don't remember <laughs> when he showed up or why he was there or why he was wearing a sombrero or why he had a mannequin head. None of it made any sense. It, was during, it was during the Jeff Jarrett and Steve Steve Blackman match. That they announced him as a member of the Spanish announce team, and he yes. was, they were both super, super stereotypical. Yeah, I think the sombrero is explained by the fact that he was on the Spanish announce team. <laughs> well, I didn't even realize he was on the Spanish announce team, so now it all makes sense. I have no questions. Sweet. Uh, did I you... had a couple other good signs, though. All right. One said, tuck it, bucket, suck it. I don't know what the fuck that was in relation to. It was right next to the guy who enjoyed broccoli, and his sign said so. <laughs> Did not see that one. It said, we enjoy broccoli. <laughs> and then my last one, it was right near the end of the card, and it, it was like at the bottom of your screen, so that it kind of moved down a little bit, and you saw the, the fans that are on the closest to the camera side, and it said, mosh and thrasher, show me your thingy. <laughs> what the fuck yep. oh boy great signs Jesus alright moving into the first match Joe already talked about we had LOD 2000 versus the DOA uh, we already caught the quote uh, that I had written down for the match the Jerry Lawler obje- uh, like objectifying Sonny quote was just that he said Sonny can put gas in anyone's tank, and then JR told him to lay off the Viagra. <laughs> but this was a, I mean, this was just your like generic opener to get the crowd hot and just your generic like LOD match where for some reason back then the crowd just fucking loved the shit out of them. 
Yeah, I'm this getting really tired of watching DOA matches. Yeah. This was this was a very bad match. <laughs> yeah. Ch- Chad told me last night when we, he was like, it's it's so fun to go back and watch these pay-per-views from the uh from the attitude era during the Monday Night Wars and like sit there thinking like these guys like this is the quality of wrestling. This is the quality type of show that won the war. <laughs> <laughs> You know, somehow DOA and a Mark Merrow versus Sable match was the was the brand that won. Yeah. So in case you're ever wondering if we're ever going to be reviewing some old WCW pay-per-views, probably not, unless it's like pre-1999, which I guess at this time was, but that's like when they really started to fall apart. But that's not going to be for a really long time, I feel like. Because I never even watched WCW. On so. this match, did you guys ever watch the movie Beyond the Mat? No. It no. was a 1990s like expose documentary, like late 1990s, maybe like 2000. It's basically like before Dark Side of the Ring. They were doing Dark Side of the Ring in this documentary, and it features some backstage personalities and like what happens to people after the ring. It's the infamous documentary where like Jake, the snake Roberts uh, was like seen doing like crack cocaine and stuff like that. And like nice. not having any money. It's a great documentary, but at one point in the documentary, they focus on draws. That's the only reason I know who draws is. And the funny oh, yeah. part from the documentary that about draws was that his debut or his interview with Vince McMahon to get signed. Now, in the match, they mentioned his nickname was Puke because of his NFL career. He can puke on demand. So Vince McMahon <laughs> gets him in the room after he's been interviewed by, like, the talent people. And he's like, is it true? You can puke whenever you need to? And Draws like, yeah, watch me. And he just starts puking on camera <laughs> in the interview into a can and then Vince McMahon's like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. You're hired. And that's how they got his job. Draws. I mean that that's a fucking special talent. That's yeah. Wow. <laughs> that's really awesome. yeah, because just wow. So every time I see this dude, that's all I can think of is this documentary where he puked in a, a trash can on demand. Yeah. They also so so yeah, I did I did write that I wanted to mention puke, but that's about that's way more than I wanted to mention. Mine was just like, who the fuck is this guy? And why are they calling him puke? Um, well, that answers your question. Yeah. And then during this, I don't know if it was JR or, or Jerry Lawler that was that blatantly called Skull and Eight Ball identical twins. And I don't know if they were really trying to sell that in the late 90s or, or if that was just, we don't know who the fuck we're looking at right now. I think more of the latter. Yeah. We've already we've already talked about the history of them not being able to tell which one is which. Well, neither could the ref in this match. It, the, <laughs> there were no tags. There was like a shockingly small amount of tags in this match because Skull and Eight Ball just swapped whoever was in the ring. Yeah, they would just switch out behind the ref's <laughs> back, which is like how the match ended. Um, their, their names are on their vest too the whole time, which made it. That's hilarious. what I thought. I thought yeah. like when. Cause it's it's tough to see, but I I I thought I saw that like a 
a few pay-per-views ago when they were like, ah, oh, JR's like, I can't tell which one is which. And I was pretty sure. Probably in a DOA versus Los Bariquas match. Yeah. RIP <laughs> to that rivalry. But yeah, there was a little bit of interference. And then uh, I guess I wrote down that the draws interferes and then LOD gets the win. Pretty obvious they were going to win from the start because yeah. they they pretty much win all of these matches that we see. Uh, I got two and a quarter beers for this. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, I got two, so close enough. And then before the next match was the the Rock promo, and he just gets absolutely fucked up by a Farouk. He catches a pile driver on a on a chair, sort of, sort of on a chair. It was totally not on a chair, and Jr. was like, "I think it was on the chair," and Jerry was like, "My God, I don't think it was on the chair." <laughs> yeah. It just completely fucking missed. And then basically it was just to set up the the whole angle for his match with Farouk later in the night. Yeah. Um, the second match. Perfect, the the Rock thing was like a perfect uh, example of how WWE told their fans that they assume they have no medical training at all because Owen Hart was putting on the neck brace on the Rock. Oh, yeah. There was no medical personnel. Someone <laughs> ran to the ring with a neck brace, handed it in. Owen Hart takes it and then starts putting it on. One of the Nation of Domination is lifting his head while another member of Nation of Domination is yelling, don't lift his head, don't lift his head. And that's that's the medical training that uh, Nation of Domination had, and WWE fans bought it. I mean, I'll just say it. I mean, they're probably pretty fucking stupid. They like broccoli. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, well, I mean, we're pretty stupid, so China does Viagra. Yeah, these are those fans. <laughs> yeah, I feel like they believe anything they see. But yeah, and the ne- the next match we've <clears throat> kind of mentioned a little bit uh, was the Jeff Jarrett Steve Blackman match, where Al Snow was at ringside with Head uh, on the on the Spanish announced team, and then like that got more attention than the actual match did. <laughs> Just the fact that Al Snow was there. Yeah, this was handing over to Al Snow at the Spanish announce table. We couldn't even hear what he was saying, and that was way more interesting than Jeff Jarrett versus Steve Blackman. Well, he, yeah, he, he he was speaking Spanish, but I'm pretty sure it was broken Spanish. Oh, for sure, it had <laughs> <Yeah>. to have been. <laughs> um, there was a little bit of interference from Tennessee Lee. Yeah, what the fuck is this? Oh. <laughs> Chad just sent me a was it to both of us? Yeah, Chad just sent a, a screenshot of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Award for Worst Feud of the Year 1997. Uh the DOA versus Los Periquas. <laughs> I found out the other day looking up how long I was gonna have to watch DOA matches. Turns out it they go through 99. So <laughs> God damn it. Yeah, so I'm starting to realize why why people look so uh, so so unfondly at Jeff Jarrett. Why is I mean, are you setting me up? Why why is that, Joe? No, I I mean I didn't have a response. It's just I watch Jeff Jarrett's feud with Steve Blackman so far, and then now we we got an actual match with Steve Blackman, and it seemed like seems like they were like in the late '90s. Jeff Jarrett was their response to the nature boy. Oh yeah. I mean, for sure. Yeah. And yeah, he's just, 
I don't know. I've I was never a huge fan of him wrestling. Yeah. But then when he went to TNA and was like huge there because he sort of owned it. Yeah. Uh, never watched that stuff. So King maybe he, Jarrett. maybe he got better. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I will say I was like overly impressed finally watching a full Steve Blackman match. I think it's the first one I've ever watched, like a start to finish Steve Blackman match where he wasn't there for like 30 seconds. Like he was in the Royal Rumble or like the Survivor Series match where he debuted and was yeah. like eliminated immediately. I thought Steve Blackman was like not that bad in that match. I, it wasn't a great match, but I expected him to be like utterly terrible because I'd never watched him wrestle so like a whole match. Yeah, he, I, I, mean, I thought he was. I thought he was pretty good. Yeah, people match. people forget he was just a fan in the crowd like a few months before that. No, no just wrestling. No, rest, no, yeah, no wrestling background whatsoever. <laughs> I guess this is a uh, the right time to to bring up a couple couple episodes back. We were talking about Jeffrey J, but more realistically, we were talking about Jeff Hardy. And Chad messaged us. We, we Dylan assigned a random middle initial for Jeff Hardy, and Chad messaged us. He's like, Jeff Hardy's middle name is Nero. Yeah, I don't know why I forgot that. <laughs> that was, it was that it, one's on me. I'll take that. <laughs> That's something I definitely knew before, but at the moment I just I I couldn't remember. Yeah, it turns out sometimes when you're drinking, you forget a lot of shit. Well, his middle name is probably one of the more infamous ones because that's what Matt called him during the broken gimmick was Brother Nero. Yeah, and I knew that, but you know, I just forgot. It's from Brother Nero to Mark Miro. Well, Jeff Jarrett and Steve Blackman, I got two oh, yeah, beers. Sorry. Yeah, I got two beers for that, mostly because like interference with Tennessee Lee, and uh, I think like there were some shots with like a kendo stick or something. Like I don't fucking remember what it was, but yeah, I got two and a quarter. Or not the kendo sticks. It was like the fucking it was the little the, red the, sticks. The, that... the sticks that Steve Blackman brought to the ring. Yeah, whatever the fuck you call those things, I don't fucking know. I got two and a quarter. I got a little over two. Ooh. I, I got two. Let's round up. We always round up. Uh, what were you saying about Mark Miro there, Joe? No, I was just saying that we were talking about Brother Nero, and I think that now is a good time to talk about Mark Miro. Mm, yes, it which is. Which is a coincidence because that's the next match on the card. Whoa, what a coincidence. <laughs> uh, this was fucking terrible. <laughs> <laughs> this is stupid. <laughs> this is the point of the pay per view where I texted you and said, "Like, holy shit, this is a bad pay per view." Yeah. <laughs> like, holy crap. So it was Mark Miro versus Sable, which like they were building up, like I guess on Raw, and then even like before this match on the pay per view, like Sable could pick someone to fight for her against Mark Miro, and then it was basically like uh, she either can like get free of her contract with Mark Miro if Mark Miro loses or if Mark Miro wins then she has to leave WWE forever which WWF or yeah WWF forever uh you know which always happens whenever someone has to leave forever they they always they always stay out forever we definitely never saw Sable again after this right except for we That's did true. but yeah she she ends up picking herself um, because she don't need no man, uh, which was a horrible choice for her. <laughs> uh, she lost in like 30 seconds. Miro just laid down acting like he was going to let her win. Uh, she pins him, gets a two count. 
adding up the the drink total for this match and then he just roll i think he did a like a, like a roll up and one yeah it was just a little just a little yeah. roll up so uh i think this was a four sip match probably tied yeah, tied for lowest ever uh yeah it's, it it was a quarter of a beer <laughs> yeah i think the lowest a match can get is three sips i don't think it can get anything lower than that so like literally two entrances and the finish i think that's the lowest a match can get yeah so this is literally one sip away from being as low as possible. Uh, then we moved on to, um, yeah, a tag team match that was also not that great. Uh, Kai and Ty. Yeah, it was, I mean, everything was better than the Mark Miro Sable match. But uh, Kai and Ty versus Bradshaw and Takamichi Noku. Yeah, so I, the thing I had about this match is that the second guy in the ring looked like he was grabbed from the crowd that was Tao and then I realized that all of Kai and Tai looked like they were just grabbed from the crowd uh and then I realized <laughs> Not Funaki. Further, Funaki's that, awesome well no they were but Funaki was like wearing jean shorts <laughs> yeah uh yeah but then I realized that it was Funaki and uh Togo from Bullet Club Dick Togo yeah Dick Togo yeah um yeah they had, I thought the funniest part was like, I guess two things. Like the fact that like every time Bradshaw got in the ring, like kind Ty just like was like super fucking scared of him. And then eventually like there was a part where he came in the ring and they got out and they started just doing like a chase scene around the entire ring, which leads me into uh, a Jerry Lawler quote, which was, uh, it looks like they're running from Godzilla. <laughs> Oh my god! Classic Jerry Lawler. I was gonna say my favorite part of the match was uh, watching Bradshaw just pick up Dick Togo and Tao and just throw them around the ring or out of the ring. Yeah, that instantly made it better than the LOD tag team match from earlier. Yeah, there was also a spot where Taka did a like a moonsault to the outside, and it looked like he clipped the railing on his way down, which looked super fucking painful. Yeah, I saw that one. Yeah. Uh, Ty though wins the match, uh, and this also got two and a quarter beers. Yeah, so somehow, somehow we're in this awful, awful pay per view, but we're getting we're getting matches that are over two beers. So it's at least uh, it's at least a solid amount of drinking so far. My quote from this match was also a JR quote, I guess. Jerry Lawler is still talking about Sable. Then uh, JR responded, first Sonny, then Sable. Any other woman you want to talk about? You need some couch time. You're a lonely king. Ah, uh, yes, the couch time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got the same one. And his response was, I will slap you to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be on a dark side episode one day of an expose of Jerry Lawler's non-PC quotes. I hope not, because that's, I mean, you could just take clips from this podcast. That's all it would yeah. have to be. All right. Uh, next match was Rock versus Farouk. So with the whole, like, Rock getting dropped on his head and, you know, Owen Hart being the medical professional he is, uh, fixing him up with the, the neck brace earlier in the night, uh, Sergeant Slaughter or Commissioner Slaughter said that he still had to defend the Intercontinental Championship later that night, and The Rock came out. Uh, against Farouk and 
hobbled his way to the ring and then wrestled a normal match like he wasn't injured at all. Yeah, he came out still in his neck brace and then put on a regular match. Yeah. Um, the end the end of this was like, I mean, for for a viewer on like for some people like us who were watching it on TV versus the the crowd that was there live. I can't imagine being in there because the end of the match was like so fucking confusing because Farouk got a three count that the ref fucking counted three on and the rock got his foot on the rope. And then like the whole thing was just confusing because the ref never like blatantly like waved it off and Ken was like, no, it's actually two. They just kept going and didn't like do anything about it. Yeah, that was a weird moment, but. And the crowd was like silent from it. Yeah, they had no idea what was going on. I think that that he realized while he was counting three that the foot was on the rope and like his hand went down, but he never said ring the bell. That's what I took took away from it. Yeah, it's like the ref didn't know what the fuck he was doing. And then like immediately after the rock, the rock pins Farouk with the the old the old leverage from the ropes move. Yeah, feet on the ropes. Maybe it's a distinct relative of Aubrey Edwards at referee. Yeah, yeah I don't remember which ref it was, but this is his ref school is the one that Aubrey Edwards went to. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I got a beer and a half for this match. Yep. Uh, and then Jesus, and then we moved into just like every every match. I look at it because I I watched this over a week ago now, so like I'm just reminiscing on what like the awfulness that was this pay per view up until like the last two matches. Uh, Kane versus Vader in a mask versus mask match. Oh boy. Um, Jerry Lawler quote from this match. Uh, he said, I heard when Vader was a kid that his mother fed him with a slingshot because basically like, cause he was so ugly. She didn't want to touch him. So she fed him with a slingshot. And then I also assumed it was like, that's what also like allegedly fucked his face up. And now that's why he wears a mask. Even, <laughs> I even, I was going to say, even though, like, this whole time they were like, I wonder what's under that person's mask. Like, they would just talk back and forth about what's under Kane's mask, what's under Vader's mask and everything. Well, Vader Vader loses the match and has to take his mask off. And they're like, I wonder what kind of scars are on that, on that ugly face of Vader's. He just took his mask off and it's just like, there's his face. And there's just nothing wrong with his fucking face. I... I really wanted there to be a gif from after this match. Like I still want there to be a gif from this match or at least a meme that I could send out when I'm making self-derogatory jokes about myself of like Vader taking his mask off. No, at the end when when he does have his mask off and he says, I ain't nothing but a big piece of shit. Oh yeah. Fat piece of shit. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot I wrote that down. Holy shit. Yeah, I was like, I was like, Vader, Vader calls himself a fat piece of shit. And I was like, I can totally relate. <laughs> yeah, I, I want nothing more than for that to be a, a gift that I can send to people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I got three quarters of a beer for this match. This one was also just not good at all. It was, yeah, it was a, it was a short match. It wasn't a very technical match and it wasn't a very good match awful but then we get into the last two matches of the night which i thought were pretty good 
Yeah, we had the uh, Nation of Domination versus DX, six-man tag. Uh, so the Nation members were for this one was... Uh, you, you can't just skip over the the Milwaukee legends. Oh, fuck. I totally moment. forgot about that. <laughs> sure, sure. Take it, take it away on that. Uh, so Mad Dog Vashon and I think his name was The Crusher or something like that. Yep. They're they're honoring the Milwaukee local wrestlers that that are legends at this point, and the entirety of the time through it, King is just being the ultimate heel about the the comments against Mad Dog, and then they actually come into the ring, and King takes it upon himself to leave the announcing table and go into the ring. Then he kicks Mad Dog Vashon's fake leg out from under him. Yeah, and you know Mad Dog like kind of falls to the falls to the ground. And then I guess the crusher kind of chases him out of the ring. And then he goes back into the ring. He tears Mad Dog's fake leg off. Now Mad Dog, who's really old and can't really walk around, doesn't have a leg. And just has to fall down. (laughs) Yeah, he has to fall down. And Crusher eventually gets the leg and beats Jerry with the leg. And then he had a couple more quotes. He said, I used to date a girl with one leg. She was a pushover. And then yeah, I'm pretty what? sure. I'm pretty sure when he said that, I was like, I've heard him say that at least five times before on commentary. <laughs> and then there was, what do you call a dog with no leg? Doesn't matter. He won't come anyway. <laughs> Which that one made me sad. Um, but yeah, so King gets some, some obvious heat in in this segment and i honestly just felt felt bad because you you had mad dog who's who got into a real bad car accident at some point and lost his leg and then you had probably the oldest person maybe with the exception of Vince McMahon, that gets physical in the ring no i think this guy was like way the way way fucking older than vince was when he actually wrestled yeah i don't think vince wrestled past 2007 when he was do rag vince (laughs) <laughs> do rag <laughs> which was uh coincidentally about the time i stopped watching wrestling in the mid-2000s just a coincidence yeah it definitely had nothing to do with do rag vince and his ecw <laughs> championship run um yeah i completely forgot about that whole thing because i didn't write anything down because i was like this was kind of like just what the fuck the moving into the nation of domination versus DX match. So the nation members we had, uh, fuck, Kama Mustafa, D'Lo Brown, and Owen Hart, who I think before this, like, or I guess before the whole rock segment earlier in the match, I completely forgot that Owen Hart was ever part of the nation. Like, I always forget, like, after Brett left and the Hart Foundation just completely dismantled like they had they never had any fucking clue what to do with owen hart yeah which is just shitty because pretty much like shortly after he he died they started getting people like kurt angle and you think about like the matches that he could have had with a kurt angle or like a jericho or a like a guerrero or a chris benoit yeah he 
he he could have had some really good matches, but they didn't know what to do with him at this point. Maybe they were mad at Brett and they were kind of punishing him. I think that has something to do with it. And then they put that superhero gimmick on him and we all know how that ended. The blue blazer. I don't, it seems like Owen Hart doesn't fit in Nation of Domination. I can't really quite put my finger on why he doesn't seem to fit, but he's not a good fit. Yeah, I don't really know why either. Like, I don't know. They all seem like they would get along really well and, you know, hang out together and all that stuff. So I'm, I'm not really sure. His, his ring attire also weirdly changed to like a black singlet with like yellow outlines, but it just says danger on it. <laughs> like yeah. everyone, the other three have like some like African themed design and his is just black with yellow that says danger. Yeah, he looks like a fucking street sign. Yeah, that's one of the storyline progressions that I would be interested in seeing. Just being that we, we watched the, the pay-per-views and we they didn't really do as much of a as much recap back in the day where I don't know, Owen Hart was was feuding with The Rock, and then all of a sudden now that he's he's part of The Rock's new vision of Nation of Domination. And we don't we don't really see that storyline progression because we we're not watching Raw from 1998 you know? right yeah this uh this match had pretty much your generic shit for a six-man tag had some interference just a little bit a uh, bunch of tags and then uh road dog was basically the sacrificial lamb in this match and he was he was the legal man in the match for like i feel like 75 percent of the match and he just got a sh- the shit kicked out of him always looking for the hot tag and then uh finally got it like toward the end of the match and then there's uh some the title belt gets brought in the ring and some shenanigans happen and then obviously the ref never sees the uh the belt get used i think it's yeah owen hart hit a a pedigree on triple h and the nation of domination wins the match yeah like the last like Four minutes match was one of those like breakdown moments where there was stuff happening in every corner of that arena. It felt like and I was trying to watch it and do tallies all at once. And I'm like, okay, that's a tally down there for Mark Henry's and and then there's a tally down here for a title belt and there's a tally up here for this. And I completely lost track. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's really tough to keep track of that shit. And uh I feel like because of that, we're all probably gonna have uh pretty different or Hopefully we're close. I, I got three and a quarter beers for this. I got three beers for this. I got exactly three and a quarter. So okay, we're sweet. Close. Sweet. Yeah. So it it just seemed like this pay per view, and maybe WWF as a whole back then, uh, the matches were called by blind Americans who referee. We got some skillcraft refs in there. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was a work reference. No, it was a it was a office supply reference. That's I mean it's a work reference. Let's, <laughs> let's be honest. Uh main event though was pretty damn good, I thought. Uh Stone Cold versus Dude Love for the WWF championship. And there was just a bunch of a bunch of people that were thrown on here. So we had Vince McMahon as a special guest referee. You had Jerry Briscoe as the 
he was the timekeeper, I think. Timekeeper. And then yeah. Pat Pat Patterson was like the special the guest announcer. announcer. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, they they were just built it up as like all these all these odds stacked against Stone Cold. And it was like, oh man, I wonder if he's gonna be able to overcome the odds. Yeah. And of course, I mean, it's Stone Cold. Oh, you know what I didn't mark for this? The ref knocked out and Oh, I missed my China quote from yesterday, Dylan. So from the, in the middle of the, the DX match, there was a Jerry Lawler comment about how China wasn't your typical housework material. And Jim <laughs> Ross, this is Jim Ross who says, no man's going to be able to command her to the kitchen. And then Jerry started laughing at it. And out loud, very vocally, JR goes, I doubt she can even make biscuits. completely forgot you told me about that i started busting out laughing (laughs) oh my god i forgot to mention the goldberg chance during the uh dx nation match i feel like i don't remember those yeah there were there were some there were some crowd chants for goldberg interesting i mean i think they were still i think at this point was like I think WWF had like just started to win the ratings war, or at least they were like really close at this point. So, I mean, WCW definitely still had a a ton of fans at the time. Yeah. So I guess that kind of makes sense. Yeah. But back to the match, the match at hand, the, the main event. This was the most frustrating intro to a match ever as Pat Patterson read the largest stack of index cards slowly introducing every freaking person that was coming out it felt like it took 20 minutes to get everyone to the ring yeah because i'm pretty sure it did yeah i saw i saw the amount of time i had left on the pay-per-view and i really didn't think it was a 45 minute match because it, and it ended up being like a 22 minute match and that's when i had 45 minutes left so if that's any indication of how how long the intros took or the entrances took <laughs> Thanks, Pat Patterson. R.I.P. Yeah, that was just fucking dreadful to watch. Uh, so I forget what what they were building up for it, but basically um, they were like wondering if somebody was going to be in Stone Cold's corner for this match. Uh, ended up being the Undertaker. The Undertaker comes down, and I don't know if he was so much as like in Stone Cold's corner as he was just like against Vince McMahon for this. Uh, But he was also ringside for this. There was... So did you guys catch the chant in this match that was like... I I couldn't make it out whether they were saying Vince is gay or Vince is dead. Vince is gay. Oh, it was Vince is gay? I thought it was Vince is dead. Definitely a Vince is gay. Yeah, so... um, just more more Milwaukee just showing just you know showing their best (laughs) that's I mean that's just you know that was what I guess what was acceptable in the 90s yeah just something that you wouldn't see nowadays because it's just something that's not an insult yeah um so it, it took me a long time to realize that I had seen this match before oh it should have it should have taken me no, no time at all because of the the set of the of the pay-per-view but this was one of those matches that were in the 
the WWE Network video packages for the feud of Stone Cold versus Vince McMahon. And I watched that entire video package. So I thought the set reminded me of the... There was that six-man Hell in a Cell match in like late 2000s. I think it was at Armageddon where they also had cars at the top of the ramp like that, like all stacked up against each other. That's what that reminded me of. I don't know if I've ever, if I had ever seen this one before though. Yeah. So as soon as Pat Patterson announced that as a reminder, this would be a, a uh, no DQ match. And then again, when he said, as a reminder, this is a false count anywhere match, which weren't the terms prior to this match starting. Yeah. It's bullshit. (laughs) As soon as he as soon as he said that, I I remembered the match, and obviously I knew who was going to win regardless. But as soon as he said that for me, I was like, "Let's get fucked up." Yeah. <laughs> and then, well, then it happened. Um. Yeah, there was. Uh, let's see. Both guys bled in this match. They took the fight up the ramp and like just threw each other all over the fucking cars that were stacked up at the top of the entrance ramp. There was uh, like times where Austin would hit like a big move or I think he hit Foley with an unprotected chair shot in the ring, which was fucking deadly. Loved that. And then Vince just wouldn't fucking count. Calling it right down the middle, obviously. Yep. Uh, And then there was basically just all the shit at the end where like, I think Briscoe and Patterson both like, it was like, one after the other, like trying to, uh, because McMahon gets knocked out. Uh, I think he catches, right? He caught an unprotected chair shot as well. Yeah. McFoley hit Vince McMahon with an ch- unprotected chair shot. Yeah. yeah by accident. Yeah. That, that one was also just amazing. Taker puts Briscoe through the table. Yeah. So that, so yeah, Taker gives a choke slam to Patterson and then gives a choke slam to Briscoe as like they try to become the ref in the match after McMahon gets knocked out. And then he choke slams. Yeah. I think you said, you said Briscoe through the Spanish announce table. So we got to finish your beer there. And uh, this was just absolute fucking madness and pretty much like the, the epitome of the attitude era. Like that's what this match was. And I got, six beers for this match fucking madness and austin wins obviously my favorite moments were all the the times where they were throwing each other around and they were just like smacking hard ass concrete ass concrete ass concrete uh like there was multiple times where they like at one point mcfully threw stone cold on top of the car but the car was slanted at like a 45 degree angle and Stone Cold just kept sliding and then smacked the concrete. Yeah. It looked it looked like it fucking hurt. Yeah. And that was not the only time someone was smacking concrete. I think McFoley went over a, a guardrail at one point and hit concrete. They definitely both like at one point McFoley did a sunset flip off the car onto the concrete. And it it looked disgusting. Yeah, I think the other part that you were talking about where he hit the concrete was like down by the timekeeper area. And he yep. like was sitting on the guardrail, and then uh, Austin hit him with a clothesline, and he just fell backwards onto the the concrete. Lots of lots of concrete spots, or excuse, ass, ass concrete spots. Yeah, ass concrete. that wraps up over the edge in your house from 1998. And I forgot we rounded up. Did we round up just the one match? 
I think it was two. I think we added a quarter beer to two matches. No, it was just the one. It was just the one. Yeah, so we rounded up. So this ended up getting 18 and a half total beers, which for a, for a very, very below average pay-per-view puts it pretty high up on the, uh, on the beer rankings or the beer ratings list. So, yeah, I guess, I guess that's the attitude era. Yeah. I mean, that's the entirety of like what this drinking game was designed for. It definitely, it certainly was not designed for what AEW is doing right now. That's for sure. <laughs> Cause they're, fucking killing us yeah they're trying to kill us but they'll never they'll never do it (laughs) all right we'll do let's get into the weekly wrestling recap then we'll do our predictions for extreme rules uh so smackdown a couple things to talk about so biggie showing up on smackdown to basically open the show when reigns comes out starts cutting a promo i thought i think there was a there was a point where the camera like caught reigns like on the side of the camera and Big E making his entrance, like celebrating the championship win. And you could see Reigns smiling, which it just shows like pretty much like there's, there's not a single person in the locker room that was not elated at the fact that Big E won that championship, which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And then later in the night, the Usos beat down Big E backstage, which basically all led to, them announcing that there was going to be a six-man tag on Raw between the New Day and the Bloodline, which was that was that ended up being a good match, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, but then that also led to more stuff. Just a lot of a lot of shit just getting built up here on 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 the weekly on the weekly shows, and it's uh, it's taken a turn for the better. Yeah, which is good. Some other stuff. Seth Rollins laying down the final challenge to Edge. It sounds like that's uh, most certainly not going to be at Extreme Rules, like I said a few weeks ago, that it could be at Extreme Rules because I'm pretty sure Edge is... Is Edge actually hurt? I think he's just... They're, they're spreading out his appearance right now. His appearances. Because yeah. he, he was on TV a lot this summer. I haven't seen anything about a real injury of any kind. Yeah. So I'm assuming it's just spreading him out, like Joe said. Yeah. So I feel like if we do see him again, it's it's not going to be like it's, it's going to be one of the bigger pay-per-views. So it'll either be or I mean, not that it's a big pay-per-view, but it's in Saudi. It's either going to be Crown Jewel or Survivor Series or they could even fucking make it go all the way to Mania if they want to do that. It's a pretty big delay on Seth Rollins if we're going to hold this over till WrestleMania. Yeah, I feel, I feel like, like they, they want to do bigger things with him. Yeah, but. Yeah, I'm I'm assuming Saudi Arabia, Crown Jewel. Probably. I would bet on Survivor Series. Ooh. Okay. Make a bet right now. Bet. Bet's laid down. Is that a is that a cake bet? I can't eat cake right now. I gotta Word. I gotta fucking lose some weight, man. I'll do a I'll do a six pack bet. Or a bang bet? A bang bet. There you go. That's a good one. Uh, for anyone listening, they're talking about energy drinks. <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> um, couple quick things. Liv Morgan laid down a challenge to Carmella at Extreme Rules in a match that everyone's looking forward to. Care a lot about. There was the the continuing drama with Naomi, just like continuing to be like disrespected and not getting a match on TV, which. 
I'm, a, I'm, I'm getting a little bit intrigued to see where this goes. Uh, people are saying it could lead to a match with Sonya Deville with her. Yeah, so Sonya Deville hasn't been in the ring for over a year. I mean, she's she was supposed to have to have left WWE forever. Yeah. Which, like we said earlier, you know, always happens. We never and see she, those people again. And shave her head. Was that for hair? I think it was no, for it hair. turned no, they, they ended up changing uh, it from a hair yeah, versus hair match to, to a hair for hair. Like lose release town. Yeah. yeah. Uh the other I mean, the only other thing that I had was the whole Bianca Belair stuff. So the the show was from Knoxville. So obviously you got to bring in the mayor of Knox County, Kane. He comes in and pre- presents a the the worst looking and most just gigantic key to a city that I've ever seen. It looked like a piece of fucking poster board because I'm pretty sure it was and presented that to Bianca Belair. Um presented the key that will open any door in the city. I don't know how the fuck it does it. I guess if it was made of some better materials, I guess you could just beat down any door with a key that that big, but I don't, I don't fucking know. I think Pat McAfee said, wow, they got big doors in Knox County. (laughs) Does a key to a city actually like, does anyone know what, does that actually do what it says? I think it's symbolic, but like, do you really think there are doors that big Dylan? No, I don't think there's doors that big, but like some people get keys to the city that are regular fucking size keys. Like, I'm not I'm not saying like I'm not asking does the key physically actually open every door like I'm asking does like presenting the key at any door in the city maybe not like residential areas or houses but like will it actually get you into places I I don't know like go to a bar that are like closing and they're like no you have to let me in I have the city key Yeah I have the key to the city you have to stay open for another 2 hours I'm ready to get fucked up Cause that's what I would do with the key to the city. Well, I guess I have to let you in. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and and you said Mayor Kane gave you this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she gets the anyway. She gets the key. Becky Lynch comes out. They they talk for a little bit, shake hands begrudgingly, and uh, Becky Lynch hits her with a rock bottom. I refuse to call it the manhandle slam. I think that's a stupid name. The key symbolizes the freedom of the recipient to enter and leave the city at will as a trusted friend of city residents. Enter and leave the city at will? (laughs) The actual key to the city would function to open the city gates. The presentation of the key to the city can be traced back to medieval times when cities were enclosed by walls and locked gates. Okay, so... It does literally. It does literally nothing, but in medieval times, it did something. That yeah. makes a lot of sense. Now it's just a symbol. Now it's just like, hey, you're allowed to travel outside of the city if you want. Here you which go. Would, which would be big deal at early COVID times. That's true, but I don't think anyone was passing keys back and forth during COVID. <laughs> not, not without. Not, not, not that without, kind. Yeah, not, not that kind of key. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was a drug reference. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna I was gonna say not without sanitizing their hands, but yours was way better. You wanna move on to raw? Yeah, Ugh. I mean we're we've already given a, a little little preview. Raw was good. Good. <laughs> what? <laughs> Words I didn't think I'd be saying. I'll give my uh my raw hot take now. 
and see if Joe agrees with me on this one. I think the main event of Raw was match of the week. Yeah? I think the triple threat match, the pacing of the triple threat match that ended the night was better than the pacing of the AEW opener, which was the Omega Danielson match. And then the ending of the triple threat match being a real ending, I think pushes it above the Omega Danielson match for me as match of the week. That is a hot take. I, I think there's arguments for both. Like my pick is Omega and Danielson mostly due to the fact that like it was advertised beforehand and I got super fucking excited for it. Whereas like the triple threat just like sort of became a thing throughout watching raw. Now, if the six man tag between the bloodline and the new day had the quality of match that the triple threat did, I feel like that would be match of the week for me because it was actually something that was advertised beforehand. But just because like, I didn't know that the triple threat was going to become a thing. It was just like a nice little surprise while watching, even though I knew it happened because I don't watch raw live and physically could not because of the shift I'm on this week. Yep. Same. Um, you ever heard someone on your show say that a match from raw was match of the week? Yeah. You just now <laughs> first and only time. So, so while I agree that the match was really good and I don't necessarily, well, I don't disagree with this. They, uh, I forget who even said it at this point, but somebody on the internet said that the fact that they allowed Roman Reigns to pin anybody from Raw in the center of the ring, especially Bobby Lashley, just shows how much SmackDown, how, how much more SmackDown is valued than Raw. I mean, they, they immediately made the switch to SmackDown being more valued when they sold it to Fox. Yeah. I think that ever since then, they've always pushed SmackDown as the better brand. I mean, look at the rosters right now. Uh, that's clearly obvious. They care more about SmackDown. Yeah, the rosters are super uneven. The creative on both shows, it's like apples and oranges. Like, Why well, can't for, be compared? Just can't. Sorry. Um, <laughs> SmackDown just gets like the better storylines, the better matches, the better pretty much fucking everything. It's just like there's obvious there's just so much more obvious attention that's paid to everything that's on smackdown and the fact that they have a two-hour show and it's on a major network smackdown yeah. just gets all the love and i've i've seen stuff that like usa is like really fucking pissed about it but they've had such a long partnership that i doubt usa will actually do anything about it yeah, yeah. Also, Raw, even though we're always talking about how like the ratings of Raw have gone down, Raw is still like one of the best shows on USA for ratings. So they might be upset it's not getting the three million that SmackDown's getting, but like they can't be overly upset when it's still pulling in higher ratings than like all the other reality TV bullshit on USA. Yeah. That's so surprising. I'm I'm surprised Chris Lee knows best isn't doing so isn't doing <laughs> as well. A show yeah. I only know from watching Raw and the commercials. <laughs> If there's if there's anything that's like anywhere close to the hatred that I have for a car shield commercial, it's a fucking Chrisley knows best <laughs> commercial. Holy shit. Um it got a spin-off, dude. It did. With the kids, right? Yeah. All right. Like let's, let's just not talk about Chrisley knows best anymore. 
that's still one of my favorite signs of all time was uh when roman was a roman was a face on raw and or or smackdown when smackdown was on yeah it was USA. like <laughs> R- roman watches chris lee knows best <laughs> <laughs> that was funny um i had a quote from raw from Corey graves uh which was i guess sort of self-deprecating not for him but for the show that he appears on he said uh, Roman Reigns is about to bring Raw to the island of relevancy. Damn. <laughs> oh, that's so bad. Like, what the fuck? I mean, I completely agreed <laughs> because Raw is just fucking terrible. And the one week that I guess we've had like a couple decent Raws, but like the one week where I can actually sit here and say Raw was good, it's because Roman Reigns was there and they had he was involved in two good matches. Well, and it was because Big E was there. Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah. He, I forgot he's also not normally part of the roster, even though he is now. Like the two main events, of the opening match and the, the end match, had more SmackDown people than Raw people in both of them. That's true. Damn. No. Oh, yeah, Big E. Oh, yeah. The, the, yeah, Big E's a SmackDown guy. I mean, he's, he's not a Raw champion he, right now, but he's been on SmackDown this whole time. I think he's officially been moved to Raw. I mean, that only makes I sense. But. I don't think on Monday he was. So I guess the main event had two SmackDown, one Raw. Yeah. But yeah, before the uh, the six man tag, they opened up with a like a championship ship, ooh, championship celebration with uh, Big E and the Woods and Kingston in there. Uh, Big E with like a heartfelt speech and. Um, didn't mention him by name, but definitely mentioned Brody Lee, which was nice. Little little touching tribute there. Yeah. Uh, and then there was only uh, three other things I watched during Raw. I guess four. There was the Randy Orton AJ Styles match, which I thought was pretty all right. Where That's Randy or- Randy Orton won. I really enjoyed the spot where Styles Styles goes to do the the phenomenal forearm and. Uh, definitely, he like sees that Randy Orton's about to catch him in a RKO, so he just doesn't do it, and then they just point at each other. <laughs> yeah, the Spider-Man meme gets yeah. reinvented into Spider-Man theory. meme, or they were just, or or I was gonna say they were pointing each other like they were each the WrestleMania sign. <laughs> then uh, the the one of the other things that I saw, <laughs> Joe, we we have to talk about it, Joe. Yeah, um, I'm ready. <laughs> but before we get to the match. We had an all-time awkward just promo. Um, put I don't your, want to undersell what they your, were going for. Put your arms up in a V and scream victory if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> like, I'm all for putting money towards the pediatric cancer research, but holy crap, that was the most awkward promo I've ever seen. And I'm, I'm mildly confident Rio Ripley was fake crying. It just was it. It was either the worst acting or she's a really awkward crier. But it was so hard to watch. Yeah, it was. It was cringy. Yeah, maybe like I don't know. Just do a commercial or something like. They do commercials. Do, yeah, do more commercial. Like put more stuff like that in commercials. I don't know. It just one or, thing. Or, or one just thing, have Michael Cole say the month of. September we give money. <laughs> yeah. I mean 
like Chad said, I'm all for giving money to pediatric cancer, but not like in this way. <laughs> don't have yeah. Rhea Ripley say anything about it. Yeah. Just like an all-time awkward moment. But uh, this, I mean, this basically made it a foregone conclusion of who was going to be the winner of the uh, Women's Tag Team Championship match. Yep. Uh, Which I'm happy about. Something you have to talk about now. Yeah, I kind of did say once Natalia and Tamina are no longer champions and Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler are broken up that we're going to talk about it again. Yeah. And all those things pretty much happened. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, how do we... Oh, okay. We'll finish talking about this. Uh, yeah, I'm happy about it. I... I'm less than thrilled of this combination of a tag team, as is Chad. I was reading a review of the of Raw uh, because I was like trying to figure out if I should watch it or not. It's what convinced me to watch the show at all because I don't normally watch Raw because it gave a a pluses to the main event and an a to a, at least two other things featured in the show. I was like, I have to watch it. And uh, in the review for this match, they gave it like a C minus. And they were like, remember that time that Tegan Knox and Shotzi Blackheart beat Natalia and Tamina like three or four times and they got their title shot? Oh, you don't remember that title shot because they never freaking got it? Because out of nowhere, we just threw Rhea Ripley and Nikki Ash here and now they're the title holders. Yeah, that's why I hate this. I hate it not because I don't like Rhea Ripley or Nikki Cross or Nikki A-S-H, almost whatever the fuck. But they're the worst two people to put in a ring together since Naya and Tamina, or so Tamina and Natalia. Like these tag teams don't fucking work at all. I miss Awful. the Iconics. I miss any tag team of women: the Riot Squad, the Iconics, the Boston Hub Connection. Literally, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross was not a bad tag team. Twisted Bliss or Coffee or whatever the fuck they called themselves at the time. Like, it worked. These don't work. These are just two random people thrown together in hopes that the crowd will go for it. Because we don't have anything else to do with them right now. Yeah, it's also always two people that don't have anything to do in the women's championship picture that we just throw into a tag team. Just take the two most recent losers and put them in a tag team. That's exactly what this is. Dude, next uh, week, Alexa Bliss and Liv Morgan will be a tag team. <laughs> is that a is that a prediction? No, don't write that one down. Oh, okay, uh, Joe, I I feel like you wanted to mention something, probably about Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax. Oh, just the fucking terrible sounding whale sounds. <laughs> 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 Nia Jax, Nia Jax. Nia Jax selling the arm like the, the Shayna Baszler like stomping on her arm on the stairs was horrendous. Oh my god! Skipped that whole match and only know what you're talking about because they then came back from commercial after the match and showed a replay and the replay was just Shayna staring at her where she just yelled excessively on the floor and I was like, oh my god, what the fuck is that sound? It was so bad. My God. Uh, two other things before the main event. Uh, Alexa and sh- uh, did Alexa's Playground with Charlotte, and they had a little bit more back and forth. Did you hear that 1,500 fans walked, out, walked away from the stands? 
while that segment was going on? I don't know if that's actually true, but yeah, I did see the article. Did you feel like halfway through that segment that Alexa Bliss like started actually talking normal again? Because like she was giving her gimmick at the beginning, and then when she started talking back to Charlotte, it felt like she wasn't using like the the uppity schoolgirl voice anymore. Oh yeah, that was and definitely the was, case. And she just started kind of shitting all over Charlotte. I think she got like mad. It looked like she got mad at something Charlotte said and actually started just ranting about how much she doesn't like Charlotte. Good. Bring the realness into it because that's what I want to see. It felt real. Yeah. It didn't feel like she was playing with her gimmick. It felt like she was actually shitting on Charlotte. But what is this 15,000 fans leaving the stands? 1,500. It was a fucking observer article from Meltzer that was like apparently as soon as this segment came on like 1500 fans either left entirely or that was like their bathroom break I don't fucking know and then Alexa replied to it on Twitter and was like like find something real to talk about this like definitely didn't happen I didn't notice anything but yeah she was like super fucking pissed about it I feel like the women of WWE get shit on by Dave Meltzer way too fucking much yeah, for having as good of a women's division as WWE has compared to some other, I don't think it's right pull to shit on them as often as he does. Yeah, the, the it's really not even close. Like AEW is trying, but they're getting better. It's not even close at this point. Still, in my opinion, still not even close. Uh, then Jeff Hardy beat Sheamus to get added to the U.S. title match on Sunday. Yeah. Random. Yeah. Didn't feel like it had much of a backstory that was worthy of getting added to that match. Whatever. I'll watch Jeff Hardy any day. I don't Bring know. Bring Nero Hardy. I don't know way. what I don't know what noises you're making with your laptop, but if you could like stop. I'm not doing anything with my laptop. We saw you moving. And then the noises happened. The noises are just yeah, there it is again. <laughs> yeah. The Raven. dogs don't like her. Yeah, no, she- she just has to go out. All right. Um, do you guys want to talk about the main event or really just like? No, it was enjoyable. It was. We kind of I, really I mean, talked about I thought it. it was a great match, like Chad said. I mean, Reigns winning twice in one night was kind of odd to me. But after the fact, I was like, yeah, you know what? That seems exactly like something WWE would do. So I was just like, screw it. Yeah, whatever. But the match was pretty awesome. Yeah. All right. Week two of NXT 2.0. Do we have any new thoughts on NXT 2.0? Or I'm uh I'm with Booker T here. I think that Braun Breaker, whatever you want to call him, is... I'm gonna call him Braun Breaker. Yeah. I think he's a uh, d- a definite future star. I I'm uh I'm coming around to NXT 2.0 already like there were I, some cring- cringeworthy segments yeah. uh Joe Gacy right off the bat that guy I don't know I think some of these new guys like you got to give them time to figure out what exactly their character is and really just like fucking play into it do it for a while and we'll start to figure out like if he's a little cringy, then I mean, maybe you're gonna love to hate him. No, I I think that WWE has already gone 
and taken all references to to that Joe Gacy character away. There was some backlash that they were poking fun at the uh, at the PC. I don't know era. The PC police. Yeah. Or the the South Park PC principal. Yeah. Yeah. I thought but... the uh, the whole episode was a little more consistent. <clears throat> the talent at us i thought it was more consistent than last week's episode i think what you said is they weren't just throwing talent at us <laughs> and that it was more consistent than last week's episode did it come off quite crazy every every time you start talking you adjust yourself where you're sitting <laughs> and, and you just moving your laptop just like makes the most diabolical fucking decepticon noise and it's just not fun for us to listen to <laughs> that's gonna be really fun just like trying to make that sound not terrible when i edit this <laughs> but you know what i i can't wait to do it um yeah i i agree with you if that is what you said uh it is what i said <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, thought, I thought there was some enjoyable stuff here um the the opening segment though was like kind of a jumbled mess, but it kind of set up a bunch of stuff that like you could kind of see where they might be going with certain feuds and and stuff like that. Obviously, like they set up the tag team match for the main event, which I thought was pretty good, and also just kind of that that main event just kind of solidified Braun Breaker. Like he's he's definitely and very obviously someone that they're going to be pushing really hard, which I'm I'm not as upset about as I was last week. Which I was I wasn't I guess not upset about it, but like just kind of like what the fuck about it, you know? Yeah, it's he he is, I think who they're going to build the new brand around. Yeah, um, I know Chad has a take on NXT 2.0. Oh yeah, hot take on this one. Uh, I saw someone post. I can't remember if it was on Twitter or whatever, but I think I agree with this take. I think they're giving titles to NXT veterans so that they can move them off of the brand in the near future to give all the titles to new talent. So like, I think Tommaso Ciampa was owed another title run because he never lost the title in the first place. And this is his like, Hey, we know we said we would give you another one. Here's your another one real quick. Uh, I don't think he has the title for an extended period of time. And then Roddy gets the title you know, gives Roddy a, a cruiserweight championship title. I don't think he holds it an overly long period of time. I wouldn't be surprised if, like, one of the more senior female wrestlers gets a title run from Raquel, maybe like an Ember Moon or one of those before they give it to someone younger. It makes sense to me if that we're going to go 2.0 and Braun Breaker is going to be the guy eventually. Why not give it to Tommaso to, like, build his reputation and then immediately hand it over? Use the senior talent to build the young talent and then hand it over. It's the same thing everyone says AEW is doing right now, but I think AEW is doing it like a longer, drawn out process. I think yeah. NXT is going to yeah. do it over a very short time frame and then immediately give the new wave that they have building up all the titles. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, like, really, nothing else to say about it. Like, uh, other than the fact that I agree with it. Um, 
one of the things else or one of the other things that I wrote down was uh, Mandy Rose's team gets a name, uh, Toxic Attraction. (laughs) And uh, I wrote down, and this is a message to Pete Dunn, take notes. That's how, like, give your fucking team a name. Uh, What's his fucking name? Now I can't think of. Oh, Wade Barrett at the end of the promo is like, I'm toxically attracted right now. Yeah. (laughs) Wade Barrett on bonk alert. (laughs) Got to see Odyssey Jones in a handicap match. Loved it. I found out that Odyssey Jones was, uh, was a Long Island boy. I didn't know that. He grew up probably 30 minutes for me. That sucks that he's uh, my favorite wrestler, so now he can't be yours. Okay. Uh, no, that's fair. I, I just I, – I haven't seen any mutual friends with him, so. But, yeah, he's he's like – What you do, stalk him on Facebook? No, no, I didn't. I didn't, <laughs> I, I didn't actually. Uh, I just heard them introduce him from Corum, New York, and I was like, wait, I know Corum, New York. Uh, so I Wikipedia'd him, and I found out that he was my age – and also not from, from not very far away from me. Well, that's pretty neat, Joe. <laughs> I'm just saying we could actually have mutual friends. You probably do. Yeah. But now you probably don't because that would like require you to have friends. <laughs> Boom. Roasted. Got him. I also found out that, uh, that he played football for Syracuse and that's why he wears the Syracuse colors. What? Doesn't he wear black and no, purple? he wears blue blue and orange or blue and orange, yeah. Yeah. His singlet's like half orange, half blue. It's like diamond. It's he's definitely worn he's definitely worn black and purple though, right? Well, more recently he's been wearing the he might have. Maybe during the breakout tournament. Okay. Maybe that's what I'm I should know more about my favorite wrestler. That's my <laughs> that's my bad, everybody. <laughs> Yeah, the, the only stuff they set up, uh, so they set up some stuff for next week. So uh, after Roderick Strong won the, uh, the Cruiserweight Championship from uh, Kushida, they set up a match with him and Grayson Waller next week. And they set up the Women's Championship match between Raquel Gonzalez and Frankie Monet next week as well. That's a match I'm not really looking forward to. Maybe it'll be good. I feel like it's got potential. I don't. I still don't really know because I never watched Impact. I don't know how good Frankie Monet is, but obviously, Io Valkyrie, as she was formerly known as, yeah. Like, but I mean, there was a lot of hype for her coming in, so we'll see. Hopefully, she gets. I mean, I would assume they're going to get enough time because it's probably going to be the main event. I would assume. So, did you know Raquel Gonzalez is dating Braun Strowman? I yeah. did. I did find that out via Instagram this week. Yeah, she's uh, she's like become viral on TikTok for always fucking with him at the house. So, like, I saw a bunch of TikToks this week of Raquel Gonzalez like fucking with his house and like running in on him and like poking fun of him and all this sort of stuff. And I, I had no fucking idea that was a thing until that. <laughs> That's like what I did to you at work last night when you left your. Damn it! I'm talking about work. I switched out your chair and then uh, I hid your water bottle and your pen. Some pretty While I was pr- running drills of all things. Some pretty prankster stuff I was doing there. <laughs> Thanks, Raquel. I uh, I don't really have anything else for NXT though. I mean, it was a decent, it was a decent show though. Like I, I'm intrigued by NXT 
I think it was just more of like the shock factor last week that it, it reminds me of 2014, 2015 NXT when I first started watching and when it first became a thing, like a weekly TV show. And I hadn't watched wrestling for over like for about like seven or eight years. And I tune into NXT and I'm like, who the fuck are these people? That's like how I feel right now, except I know about half of them because you still have some of the old guard there. Yeah. So it's more of like a shock factor. And I'm sure that I'm going to grow to love NXT once again, like I, like I used to. I saw one of the, one of the most stupid takes I think I've ever seen of Jim Cornette's him saying, get, get Johnny Gargano off NXT. He's not good. He has no character and he's basically useless. And again, I th- I've said this before, shut up. Uh, go play tennis. I think is what you tell him. Yeah. Go play <laughs> tennis, bitch. Stupid Jim Cornette. Yeah, I don't wow. think that's I don't think that's as much of a stupid take as it is just a, a take from Jim Cornette because they're all pretty stupid. Yeah, I can't recall like a, an incredible Jim Cornette take. Um, yeah, I don't really have anything else for NXT, uh, so can move on to Dynamite Grand Slam. So we opened the night with what I assume most people thought was going to be the main event, and. I think it was the right move doing it first because of how they did the outcome because you can't because like if something else in the show runs long then you can't do that 30 minute time limit draw if something else runs long like if 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 something runs long and the show's at 9:40 when the match starts like you're going to run until 10 minutes after the show is supposed to be over and then you can't do the finish that you want to do or they would have had to do like a 20 minute time limit draw, which I don't, I don't think would have been as good, but I I mean, the match was in my, in my opinion, I thought this was match of the week, but I mean, that could be some dynamite bias or some AEW bias that I have because I think it's the best thing in wrestling right now. And it's also just, just the hype behind the match. I mean, when you have guys like Brian Danielson and Kenny Omega in the ring, you're already expecting a great match so when they put on a great match you're like oh yeah this is the best match yeah and like it is a legitimate dream match yeah whereas like the triple threat on raw you could you could make an argument for it being like a semi dream match but it's i feel like it's something that we're gonna see and possibly have like we've seen roman versus bobby i'm pretty sure before and we've seen we ha- it's really the big E factor throwing him in there because we haven't seen that him mix it up in singles action with top-tier main eventers a whole lot. Yeah. I guess the reason I lean towards the Raw one is because I felt like it was pay-per-view worthy. And I said it earlier, the ending to the Daniel, the Brian Danielson match was not a pay-per-view ending. Yeah. No. It, it's it's the ending that it had to be, though, because you know that they're going to they're, they're gonna eventually do that again whether it be for the title or not, uh, hopefully not the next time that they face off because hopefully Hangman Page will be the champion. But I'm, I'm just hoping next time they face off, it'll, it'll be like at one of their big pay-per-views and they're going to let these guys go for fucking 
however long it takes. I mean, it's whenever they eventually do their next match, it's going to be long as shit and it's going to be awesome. Yeah. They had the like the 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 spot with the running V trigger like all the way down the ramp was fucking sweet. And then there was a, a spot where Danielson hit like a it was like a backdrop, but like he grabbed Kenny's leg like also in it. And when the when the move actually like it was it was sort of like a backdrop where he also like dropped him on his neck. I could have sworn when I was watching the match that I heard like a crack or a crunch or something when he fucking hit the move. I thought he legitimately broke Kenny's neck. Like huh. it was insane. Cause even after the, I mean, after the move, Kenny sold it well and was like grabbing his neck and I'm, I'm sure he probably actually was in some sort of pain from it. It looked fucking deadly. And then the, the spot where Kenny goes up on top and goes to hit like the super dragon uh, or the Snapdragon suplex. I thought he was going to fucking kill Brian Danielson. Thought he was legitimately just going to kill him. Yeah. But Danielson ended up doing a backflip out of it. Thank fucking God. Just- you already kind of mentioned it, but I, I think that it's worth mentioning the 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 ramp here is no, yet another example of AEW's come up here. They had the, the Titantron style ramp that like had video changing throughout it and like built into the entrances. And it's just a, yet another addition to like the the stage and the, the arena that AEW's putting in, I think was a really nice touch. That's getting them more on the level of like a WWE. Yeah. As far as like production quality goes. Yeah. It was a big step up. Um, I just, I just don't think we're going to see that other than like your big, your big shows, which I, I'm fine with that. Like I'm fine with seeing that yeah. at the big shows and not like on a weekly basis at dynamite. I mean, even the pay-per-views, you're normally just like in the same arena with the same production design as normal. So if they bring that out only for the main, like the, the Grand Slams and then the pay-per-views, it's still a nice difference. Yeah, it, it makes it feel big, which is exactly what this needed to feel like. So other stuff. Um, I mean, we followed that with the CM Punk promo, uh, basically hyping up the match between Hobbs and him talking about like how they like beware of pissing him off pretty much. It was, it was pretty good. It's fine for what it was not one of his best, but uh, I was, it, I mean, it makes me intrigued. Have we talked the- about uh, Mark Henry being removed from the commentary team on rampage and being replaced by hook? Me and uh, me and Dylan talked about this the other night. Actually, I mentioned how I, uh, I found Mark Henry to be absolutely awful at commentating. And then he mentioned that he was removed. Uh, thank God for that. Because he is just not good at all. Like, he does those interviews on Rampage now. And it's like, Fuego del Sol, you have a car you're putting on the line. How do you feel about this match with your car on the line? And you're like, oh, God, Jesus, please. please help. <laughs> and then he's like, it's time for the main event. <laughs> thank you, Mark Henry. <laughs> Definitely adds uh, adds so much to the show. Um, <laughs> also, Joe, I'm pretty sure it was Ricky Starks on commentary, not Hook. Yeah, it was Ricky Starks. <laughs> it is Ricky Starks. I don't think Hook has ever talked yet. Or wrestled or do anything but show up in a wife beater. Yeah. The internet loves Hook. I don't know why. but Why? I don't know. The, the Isn't internet- that the one that's Taz's son? Isn't Hook Taz's son? Is I don't. He- 
Is he actually? I don't know. Google. Wait, no. We have a we have a bit on this on this show where we don't do that. We we usually try to say like, oh man, I, I hope I wish there was a way that we could look this up, but that nothing like that exists. Oh yeah, real life son. Well, sorry to, to sorry to show you that Google exists on this show, but real life son. Hook Taz. Well, whatever this Google machine is, uh I guess thank you. Um that's news to me, obviously. <laughs> I did not ever. Apparently, Hook is a member of. Uh, apparently, Hook's like a secret member of the Nightmare Factory, and he's been training with Cody Rhodes this whole time. Interesting. Huh. Honestly, it makes no sense for them to like mention that in the storyline. Yeah. A face character, but apparently, he's been uh, with Cody Rhodes for a while now. I mean, is Cody a face? I mean, we should probably get into that. Speaking of Cody being a face, boom, segue, nailed it. Nice. Uh, You're welcome. You could just tell the moment that, like, when he's on the entrance ramp looking like fucking Homelander with the, a cape that is just way too fucking long, uh, the crowd, uh, it was at that point, that, that was the point where I noticed that the crowd was booing him. Chad told me he noticed, like, halfway through the match, it was like, holy shit, they're booing Cody Rhodes. Um, you could just see the look on his face as he's on the entrance ramp and they're booing where like you could just see his heart getting ripped apart because I, I saw a headline. Obviously I don't read articles. I just read headlines, you know, cause that's my thing. I saw like a, I don't know if it's like a direct quote, but him basically saying like, he will never turn heel again. So it's a poor maybe, choice. Yeah. Maybe, maybe he's doing a bit. I don't know uh, that just to swerve us all when he actually does. I would love to see him turn heel. Because I love to hate him. It makes sense for him to go heel. If you think about all of this, he started all of this while he was a member of Bullet Club and was super heel, right? We fell in love with Cody as part of Bullet Club after he got out of WWE doing the indie scene, and he was a heel the whole time. And so he makes All Elite Wrestling from the fame he gets doing all of that as a heel. And then he comes to All Elite Wrestling in these mega face that no one asked for and it worked for a little bit, but I think fans are just done with like the same storyline. Every time random heel attacks Cody or member of his family, three weeks of facing random other member of nightmare factory, big pay-per-view or grand slam event. Cody Rhodes comes back faces off against heel. Yeah. I I think it was the QT Marshall feud that everyone like really was like, all right, we're done with this bullshit. Yeah. I agree with that. But, Remember um, Anthony Agogo being a person? I think he's hurt, but yes. Oh, I was like wondering why that guy went away immediately. Yeah, I think he got hurt. Because I, I wondered that as well, like a few weeks ago. And I never actually looked it up, but I was like, I'm pretty sure he's hurt. Well, how would you look it up? You have nowhere to look that up on. Okay, outside of this podcast, I know that things exist like Ask Jeeves. <laughs> I go to Yahoo. (laughs) Microsoft is still trying to push Bing on me. (laughs) Dude, fuck Bing. (laughs) God. What about like an all-time terrible invention? Bing. Yeah, but uh, while we're on this match, Brandi Rhodes made her return. She said, fuck you. Or at least least mouthed it. 
Yeah, she got in the ring and uh, did a little crisscross applesauce and just flipped him off and said, fuck you. I loved it. I loved his laugh. He, like, legitimately was laughing at her when she did that. I thought it was a genuine response for me. Alistair Black, I enjoyed that. Yeah. I, I, I also didn't do anything. Yeah, I enjoyed the match, though. Like, it was it was good. Malachi Black obviously wins, maintains his undefeated streak. The right That's the right move there. Uh, he hits the fucking whatever. I still don't know what they're calling the black mass, but hits that on Cody. And I'm pretty sure in the match they called it a spinning back kick, which is like the lamest thing you could call it. Yeah, give it a fucking name. We need Excalibur to come up with a name for it. Oh, and he also did like the, the poison mist thing, didn't he? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally fucking. That's how he won. It, it was obvious because like he got thrown out of the ring. And then, like, Cody went to go grab him, and only his face and, like, right hand were underneath the ring apron, and I instantly knew what was about to happen. Well, I was expecting, yeah, when Cody pulled him out, that he was going to have something in his hand, and he was going to hit Cody, because the ref was, like, paying attention to Brandy, so I was expecting him to pull out, like, a weapon or something and hit Cody with it, and then that be the way that they end the match, and uh, he ended up just having a mouthful of black shit. Maybe we'll go back to when Randy Orton used to, like, just have black shit just fall out of his mouth maybe we'll do that with alice black yeah. that was a good story line. this has been the year of people getting black shit all over them there was the randy orton spa there was the the brood stuff with seth rollins oh yeah <laughs> and then this actually i forgot that that came on after the mjf pillman match uh mjf beat pillman, uh, pillman a little Jr. bit of a wash honestly yeah um there was a sign for that uh mjf is a cuck pretty good sign yeah that was did you notice that every time the, the full word cuck was shown, almost immediately AEW would switch camera angles? Like, you could see parts of the letters, but the minute that MJF is a cuck was all on the screen all at one time, instantly they would switch the camera every time. Maybe they only wanted to show three of the letters and maybe just leave it up to mystery and make people think that it actually said cock. Mm. MJF's parents were in the house as well. They had signs. I did see this on online. Yeah, they, uh, they, they 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 posted they posted pictures of their signs that said we we don't like MJF either, and then his mom had the sign that said MJF is my son and we're against him too. Yeah, this is, we hate him. Oh, and we like, hate we him. also hate him. Yeah, and we also hate him. And they posted it on Twitter, and then MJF responded, fuck you, mom. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, it's just the ultimate fucking heel. I, I, I love it so much. Like, he is just always, like, everywhere he goes, just acting like that, and it's incredible. He, like, single-handedly is bringing back kayfabe. Yeah. I'm reading something that I totally forgot to talk about in the Cody and Malachi Black match. Um, Arn Anderson falling off the ring. Oh, oh yeah, I thought there was like a. I thought he was legitimately going to get hurt. He was like trying to like like big guy go around the outside of that ring post, and the whole time I'm like, he's going to fall, he's going to fall. They move the camera, and then everyone starts looking, and he's on the floor. You can see him like you can see like on the side of the camera, like him, his hands just move away from the. <laughs> from the the ring post and i was like oh maybe he jumped down but then immediately the whole crowd is like oh and <laughs> they cuts and they're like oh i think art like even like the announcers like oh i think art anderson like did he, did he, did he just fall <laughs> even like um but he was doing it to set up the spot where cody hits him 
like black like reverses it and cody hits him off the apron so like he immediately had to get right back up and get back on the apron so they could do the spot and then i don't know like where cody's on the outside and is asking arn if he's okay and arn's like yelling at him and like pointing back in the ring like I can't tell if it was like more of like a motivational, like go in there and kick his ass or like going like, or like he was like, fuck you, get, get back in the ring sort of thing. And they're like teasing a breakup there. I, I don't, I'm not really sure. Zero, zero thoughts on that. Just <laughs> some nods and some. It felt weird. Uh, in all honesty, it didn't feel like there was any like backstory that would immediately cause any of this stuff. Like, We've never got the indication that like Arn Anderson and Cody have anything. It makes no sense to turn one of the two of those heel immediately because of this whole thing. Well, it if you just, keep it if, felt you, real forced. if you turn Cody heel and break him away from the nightmare factory, but keep Arn as the coach, I feel like that's your I feel like that's your angle there. But like Cody came to his aid and was like, I'm sorry, and Arn pushed him away, you know? Yeah. But the commentary team also was like. Arn's telling him to get back in the thing and not worry about him, which made it seem like it wasn't Arn actually mad at all, but just like coaching him. Yeah. So it was weird. We'll see how that plays out. Um, then we had the the tag team match Sting and Darby Allen against FTR. Yeah. I mean, the fact that Sting can still go is just incredible. Yeah. And it's yeah. it's it's been a lot of fun to watch him this year. Uh this, I think this is his fourth match this year. Yeah, fourth match. I mean, obviously, they had the cinematic match, which people had to pay for that, like, to go to that pay-per-view, and then they had to watch Sting on a screen, which that fucking sucks. And then they had the match at Double or Nothing, and then they've had a couple tag team matches here in the last month. It's and, been a uh, lot of fun to watch Sting. Yeah. And then FTR wore some NWO-themed ring gear yeah the ftr shirts that were in the font of nwo yeah how can they get away with that i don't copyright infringement i'm pretty sure they are definitely not able to do that much direct replica just by changing the letters if the font's the same it's in a box that's at the same angle and there's words underneath that are all in lowercase and you know i just think there's enough there that like wwe could be like cease and desist like they always do yeah, there probably is. It's just like, I don't know. Does WWE own trademarks to fonts? I don't know. I don't they own probably. the trademark symbols to NWO, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, it was different letters. But, you know, I mean, I think they could probably have an argument there with how much. It wasn't just the font. It was how the box is shaped and how it's angled and how there's words underneath that are in lowercase. You know, like there was enough there that's obviously a direct cutoff from NWO that I think they could easily. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm no lawyer, but I'm, I'm just a wrestling fan. So I enjoyed it, but we'll, we'll see, we'll see what the lawyers think about it. I haven't seen anything that's come out from it yet, but I would assume we'll probably see something this week. It'll probably, that'll probably be one of the things that comes out uh, between uh, recording this and the episode coming out is the, the cease and desist. Hmm. FTR seems bound and determined to do something every week that could get them in trouble with WWE. Do you remember like a month ago they came out in those like Grand Slam champion shirts that had like the different titles they'd won on WWE, like featured on the on the jackets? It had like four stars and the stars had dates underneath them and they were red, blue, and yellow stars. 
signifying their NXT Raw and SmackDown championships. I did not see that. No, I don't. Didn't really that. pay attention to that that much. Sorry, dude. Go to Ask Jeeves and look for it. I will. <laughs> um, yeah. So then there was the Ruby Soho match, and Ruby Soho didn't win. Big surprise. Was it really though? No. I thought it was a really good match. I thought it was one of the better women's matches recently. Yeah. The they almost got me a couple times. The more that they like they add to this division, like it, you have to include Britt Baker or like some of these top tier women that they have, like in order to get a good women's match from AEW. But when they when they get those women in there, like it's it, you know it's gonna be good. Like they can put on a good match and it's it makes it a lot of fun to watch and i'm really enjoying seeing like the the build up of their women's division but they they really just they need more women like when they're when AEW is signing people they should be focusing on women now they should also be spending time developing the talent they have they have an, like they put the casino battle royale on they were able to put you know 19 20 women in there and some of those i think are really good that don't have a lot of time on tv but like I would say there's like five or eight of those that need to be developed into star material, like Anna Jay's or like uh, Tay Conti's, Penelope Ford's. Like that group, I feel like has a lot of potential, but they're not right now people I think would be good on pay per view. Yeah. I mean, they're all in there. Like they're, I feel like they're all in like their low 20s. So like they've got a lot of time to get the, get more experience and get the experience that they need to get better in the ring it's just going to take some time and i guess you just have to really just be patient with it as far as like the build-up of the the lower like the the mid card of the women's division but like your your Britt bakers your ruby, ruby soho the thunder rosa the sheeta like they've got some they've got some bona fide talent at the top of their women's division so i they're they're in a good spot right now. I just think they need like one or two, maybe like more top tier stars for their women di- women's division, and I think they'll be there. Wow, Ask Jeeves is a terrible search engine. Did you actually just try to use it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure you have to ask him a question. All right, moving on. <laughs> what did you What did you type? I was trying to see the. Chad said to to Google to sorry to ask Jeeves about the FTR jacket. Oh, yeah, I think uh, when you ask Jeeves something, it has to be like pre two thousand. Okay, fair. <laughs> <laughs> like when Ask Jeeves was still a thing. All right, let's uh, let's get into some some predictions here, and then close out the show. We've got we're going to talk about Extreme Rules. This is uh probably not going to be a good pay-per-view i don't think it will be it has potential some hard matches to predict i think so too just because of like the build-up and i don't know we've only got six matches on the card so far there's bound to be one or two more thrown on on uh smackdown tonight and they'll probably add a pre-show match or something like that from raw i don't fucking know uh or probably move like the Carmelo Liv Morgan match to the pre-show. I have no idea. But um, I mean, speaking of that one, 
Liv Morgan versus Carmelo? I got Liv. Do you have any do you have any reason behind that? I see no reason for Carmelo to win. Liv is still a fan favorite way over Carmela. This is just a building match for her. Chad? Uh, I'm also taking Liv Morgan on this one. I think it just makes more sense. They've been pushing Liv the last few months, but not like all the way main event style. I mean, they like hinted that she's main event worthy and some promos and stuff. I mean, there was the buildup a few pay-per-views ago where we thought Liv might be like the money in the bank winner. Um, but I think this is exactly like Joe says, just a stepping stone to like show that she can beat women's champion, former women's champion. So yeah, Liv Morgan. Yeah. yeah. I'm going with the same Liv Morgan here. Uh, I think it's mostly just cause like you have a heel champion right now. I think we're still going to have a heel champion after this pay-per-view on SmackDown. So if she's going to get like a, cause I feel like WWE is going to do a lot more TV title matches now because I mean, they've been doing a bunch of great stuff on TV lately in response probably to AEW drawing uh, some some good numbers on Wednesday nights. So I think with Liv Morgan getting a win and then she goes up and faces Becky Lynch at some point within the next month, I feel like that's just what makes sense the most. Yeah. Uh, the next matchup, we got... Charlotte Flair versus Alexa Bliss for the Raw Women's Championship. So, this one's tough. It is. For me. It is tough. But I picked this one in my brain a few weeks ago. And I think I'm just going to stick with what I picked. I'm going with Alexa Bliss here. I don't really know why I picked it. And it's tough to continue to pick it because she got the upper hand on the go home show however she did not hold the title up because i was really looking for that on the go home show on raw because if she had held that fucking title up i'm probably picking charlotte flair here but she did not uh i think it's just time for not necessarily like time for a new champion it's just time for someone else other than charlotte flair to hold the belt um and bliss hasn't had it in a hell of a long time uh, the fans are behind her right now. So I, I think it's just time for her to be a women's champion again. And then hopefully here in the future, we get five feet of fury back instead of whatever the fuck she's doing right now. Uh, Chad. Uh, I spent all week debating this one. Like I wrote all my predictions down days ago, but I left this one. I just wrote this match down. I didn't know where I wanted to go. There's one other one like that on my my prediction sheet, which I already talked to you about, Dylan. But on this one, I don't know if they're willing to give it to Alexa right now. But I also don't know if they're willing to keep it on Charlotte. And they also, like, Raw, with the Raw Women's Championship for, like, four pay-per-views has been, like, let's just change it around a bunch of time. And we're, like, Rhea Ripley won it at Mania, and then Rhea Ripley, like, loses it, like, two pay-per-views later, and then Nikki Ash wins it, and then Charlotte wins it back. It's like this thing is being passed around way too often for me to, like, be confident. But I'm going to go with Charlotte Flair, the more consistent bet, I think. 
That's all. I, I'll leave it at that. I, I really had no idea which one to pick. I went with the more consistent WWE option, which is Charlotte Flair. Yeah, I don't think that Charlotte's going to lose it just yet. I think this feud might continue for longer. And just like you said, it has been it has been passed around a shit ton lately. Charlotte Flair has been a transitional champion more than once this summer. So I'm going to stick with Charlotte on this because of that, because I think that she'll have a slightly longer title reign. And I also never pick Charlotte, and I, that always hurts me. So, Yeah, I feel like I also never pick Charlotte, and it fucks me over a lot too. I did pick her that one time where it was like only me and Dewey picked her, and I was in the running to win, but then... And that's when she won by DQ, right? And then I just, yeah. And then I just, you know, didn't win because I'm cursed. So probably good on you guys to pick against me because I'm, like I said, cursed. At this rate, I feel like I'm never going to win this fucking championship. All right. Next match, triple threat match, United States Championship. Champion Damian Priest versus Sheamus versus Jeff Hardy. Jeffrey J. Hardy. Chad, we'll start with you. It's Jeffrey Nero Hardy for the last time. This one, actually, I feel like I have an idea of where WWE's going to go with this one. So I think they don't want to continue to have Sheamus getting pinned over and over again on pay-per-view. I think adding Jeff in there gives someone else to pin, to get pinned. So I'm picking Damian Priest pins Jeff Hardy. To win, to keep his title, so I don't think Sheamus losing over and over again on this on this card, I mean on on pay per view is beneficial to where WWE wants to go with Sheamus. Yeah, I agree with like everything that you just said, and I have nothing else to add to that. I'm picking Damian Priest. <laughs> yeah, this was actually one of the tough ones for me to predict because I I did a little research to see what other people were picking. And a lot of people actually think that Jeff Hardy is going to win back the United States Championship. Um, do, you I'm like, not, do you think it might be to like try to keep him on in WWE? Yes, yeah, kind of like what, what Chad was talking about with Kevin Owens a couple weeks ago. But I am not one of those people that thinks that Jeff Hardy is going to win. Uh, we'll just keep the board all on Damian Priest. I think... Jeff Hardy's one of those people that if they gave him the United States Championship, that would be enough for him to stay. Like, I don't think it'd be enough for Kevin Owens to not want to leave, but I think if they gave it to Jeff Hardy, then he would probably be like, yeah, I guess I'll stay around. Like, I think he's at that point in his career where he's, like, healthy and just kind of keeping things normal. And I, I wouldn't be overly shocked if they do give it to him. Maybe not this pay-per-view or the next, maybe the next person like that. And then he stays around because he got the United States Championship. That wouldn't overly shock me. Yeah. See, I, see, I kind of disagree with you on that. I think that him staying or leaving WWE is all dependent on what Matt does or vice versa. Matt, Matt's allegiance to a company is dependent on what Jeff does. I think that they will end up to, together and they don't have a lot of time, especially Matt. Matt doesn't have a lot of time left in the ring. Matt's knees are going to give out here any day. They're quite literally made of peanut butter. So I I don't think that a a 
second secondary championship run is enough to keep him away from from ending his career with Matt Hardy. Did you see yeah. the stories this week about Jeff Hardy saying the one thing he wants left in his career is to win the Universal Title? I have That's seen that. Just never going to happen. But I can dream, right? Yeah, I mean, everyone's got dreams. I just don't. I can't remember my dreams. Anyway, <laughs> the next match. I know. If only there was a, a match with uh, Velveteen Dream on this card, we could have said, speaking of dreams. <laughs> but, nope. but nope. Uh, he's, uh, he's just not around anymore. <laughs> uh, so the next match, Usos versus the Street Profits. This is actually another tough one. I completely, when I was looking at this, uh, just overlooked this, and I thought you were going to talk about this SmackDown Women's Championship match here. And despite the fact that it takes up the most room on the Wikipedia page as far as the matches, uh, I just completely overlooked it and forgot it was a thing, and I haven't thought about this at all. So off the cuff, I'll take the Usos. I don't fucking know. I, I, I don't know, like... This is tough because the Usos have had it for a little bit now. And I think it's kind of the same thing that we talked about with, um, I think it was on SummerSlam, where if you want people to think that Roman's going to lose, you have his, his buddies also lose earlier in the night and make you think like, oh, the bloodline's falling apart, possibly. So you... If you give the titles to the Street Profits, it makes you think, oh, maybe the Demon also has a chance. But I'm, I'm just going to – I'm going to go with the Usos. Chad? So I went to that WWE live show at the North Charleston Coliseum last weekend. And the opening half of the show before intermission, the, the main event before intermission was the Usos versus the New Day in a contenders match. The, the same contenders matches that you guys oh hate so much because um, they're terrible. Yep, and the New Day won that match, which I was actually overly shocked happened at a house show. So, with that being said, I'm assuming they're going to give the New Day some title shots here, or there's an upcoming rivalry between the two, maybe regarding Survivor Series or the draft. With that being said, I'm picking the Usos to retain because I think that their next challengers are going to be the New Day because I watched that happen and they pushed the New Day to beat them at those shows. I, I mean, there's two schools of thought there where like they could be building towards like maybe this is potentially our Survivor Series match where we have the Raw Tag Team Champions go up against the SmackDown Tag Team Champions and you could pick the fact that that that, that would be your reasoning for the Usos retaining or you could look at it from a draft perspective and think the street profits win that way. The Usos will probably get drafted to raw so that they can feud with the new day again. So there's just like, really like there's two ways of thinking about it there. And it's, it's, it's still a fucking, it's a coin flip in my opinion. I, I don't like either way of thinking about it right now. Cause either they're going to break up the bloodline or they're going to break up the new day again. Or they're not going to break gonna, up the. They're or, not going to break up the new day again. Or someone's going to lose their their main title, for that to work. Or maybe yeah. they push Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods into the Raw tag team picture before Survivor Series, and this is just leading up to 
and be like all of New Day versus all of Bloodline in a Survivor Series match. You know, that, three that on three. Yeah, that doesn't. Then it get wouldn't be a contender match. Lashley. But then it wouldn't be a contend- contender match. Yeah, it was a house show though. Okay, yeah. then I'm going with the Street Profits. Interesting. Yeah, that's not where I thought you were going to go with that, but all right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I was going to go with the Street Profits from the beginning. I don't think it's a safe pick, but I don't know. I've seen crazier things. Yeah, like Jinder Mahal winning the WWE Championship. Stop talking about that. <laughs> that was a great time. Yeah, great time to be alive and a wrestling <laughs> fan. Um, all right, Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair, SmackDown Women's Championship match. Who do we got? Becky, duh. Yeah, Becky Lynch. Becky. Not even an argument. Yeah, Becky Lynch. Which sucks because, like, Chad was even telling me, like, last night, and I completely agree. Like, they, taking the title off of the most over woman that they had on their roster at the time, Bianca Belair, during SummerSlam and just shoehorning Becky Lynch in, having her beat her in 26 seconds, just completely derails her. And then also, like, just pushing Becky Lynch as this new fucking gigantic heel and making the crowd hate someone that you never thought that you would want to hate it just completely derails like both of their momentum yeah like and now we've got this match which it's probably going to be good it'll probably it'll probably be great because it's going to be longer than 26 seconds and this was a match before SummerSlam that I was looking forward to in the near future when Becky eventually when I thought Becky would eventually come back but yeah. they ended up going the route they did, and now Becky's the champion. Bianca's not the champ, obviously, and just does not have a whole lot of momentum right now. So, yeah, I'm on, I'm on Becky. So here's something that I just realized on the Wikipedia page. Going back to Damian Priest, Jeff Hardy, and Sheamus, it's a triple threat tables elimination match. Holy shit. When the fuck did that get changed? <laughs> I don't know. I didn't notice it before. He's right. It is. It, that's exactly what it says. Yeah. Um, does that change anyone's predictions? It does make me second guess it. Yeah. Fuck. Because <laughs> because Sheamus isn't going to get pinned now. Yeah. Yeah. So that kind of like with your whole argument, Chad, with them throwing Jeff in there to be the guy that gets pinned. Uh, I'm going to stick with priest, but that makes it so much harder to not pick. I think the, the other person that I could potentially, I'm not, I would hundred percent not pick Seamus here, but it makes it a little tougher to pick Jeff Hardy. I think if it were, I don't know, a triple threat ladder match, that would be even tougher to predict, but the tables are historically not Jeff Hardy's weapon of choice when it comes to the aspect of TLC. Uh, hot take. He's going to go through a table. They put, he puts himself through one of those tables on an X. Like someone's going to move off a table that he's going for. And he's going to go through the table. Yeah. Here. But I think they've done that before where they've done a tables match and someone moves. And the person that's like jumping off of something goes through a table and they don't count it as an elimination. Yeah, I agree. They're not going to eliminate him like that. I'm just saying it's going to happen. Oh, for sure. Guaranteed. He will swanton himself through a table. Yeah, but if he if he puts himself through a table 
and you get to see all three of them go through a table. Like, if is Jeff going to go through two tables, or is he going to accidentally put himself through a table early in the match? I think you're going to convince me to pick my favorite wrestler of all time, and then come back and win. I think I might change. Yeah, I was. I I saw it, and I'm like, I hate my pick now. Fuck it, I'm picking <laughs> Jeff Hardy. <laughs> I'm switching to Jeff Hardy. Same. I'm, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to fuck it. I'm going to stick with Damian Priest. Yeah, I mean, it's the it's probably the smarter thing to do, and it'll probably yeah, help you in the prediction. Oh, I, as soon as I saw that, I, I I wanted to pick the jet pick Jeff, but I don't know. Damian Priest is being being elevated pretty high right now. That's all. Yeah, maybe they're maybe they're going to take it off Damian for the draft though. Maybe Damian's getting a, a move and maybe going to be pushed into like a bigger picture. Yeah, maybe. maybe go into the main event scene. Damn it. All right. I'm sticking with it for now. Yeah. I don't I don't want to, but well, you know what I'm glad about is the fact that they've got more than one extreme rules match on this oh, pay-per-view. It? it was Despite, a triple I mean, threat, so it would have been an extreme rules match anyway. Yeah, but they just had a triple threat match on Raw and they used a chair twice. <laughs> So the 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 history there, especially recent history, would 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 say that they're not going to get that extreme in a triple threat match. I've always right. been under the impression that every fucking match on these gimmick pay per views should just, except for fucking Hell in a Cell. If you go to Hell in a Cell and every fucking match is in, inside the cell, that would just be ridiculous. But Extreme Rules, every match should just be an Extreme Rules match. Like, why not? Yeah. I swear that that was not what it said when I opened this Wikipedia page. I don't remember noticing it 20 minutes ago. I'm glad they did it. Yeah. I'm excited now. All right. Main event. Extreme Rules match. Universal Championship. Roman Reigns versus the Demon Finn Balor. This one. uh, I know Chad thinks this one's pretty tough. I'll tell you why I think it's tough and why I hate predicting it. Demon Finn Balor is undefeated in in WWE. And for them to bring him back and just like the first match back after years gone, pin him, I'd be very upset. But it doesn't have to be a pin. Like you it know does extreme rules. Well, no, that's that's the thing. Like, oh yeah, because they've never had a hell in a cell match end with a fucking referee stoppage. Yeah, I, I think, can't predict assuming that they're going to fuck this one all up. <laughs> it's WWE. Why not? I mean, I'm picking Roman Reigns because I, for one, like the, the match with Lesnar's already announced. They did try to add the intrigue of will it be for the Universal Championship? Like, you're goddamn right. It's going to be for the Universal Championship. Like, it doesn't make any sense for it not to be. It's, I just think that this match is going to end in some sort of fucky way that Balor does not get pinned or tapped out even though technically that's the only way it can end but technically that's the only way a fucking hell in a cell match can end too unless you threaten to drop a toolbox on somebody's fucking deformed face y'all have this like really bad habit of bringing up stuff that you you hate over and over again like the hell in a cell match in gender mahal and now we're talking about the women's tag team division again too so (laughs) Anyway, 
I mean, go ahead and make your predictions. I did. Roman Reigns. Yeah, I'm going with Roman Reigns. <sighs> he, he wants to do it. Want to? I don't want to do it. Uh, I. I, I just there's so many ways to skin. So there's like there's the possibility that like Brock Lesnar gets involved and then the demon pins Roman because Brock gets involved. And that sets up their match at Crown Jewel, which is already announced. That makes total sense in my mind. That keeps the, the demon undefeated. That, that makes sense why Roman loses it. But I why would Roman lose it to to Finn Balor, you know? Why push Brock Lesnar back to have him lose it to Finn Balor? You know, the, there are also all the rumors of like the rock coming back for WrestleMania being the, the moment that Roman's going to have for the universal with the rock. And that would completely derail that whole train of thought. If he doesn't even have the universal title anymore, or it could make total sense if you think that like, maybe they're going to go a different way with the title and then put Roman in some matches for a while against non title holders to continue to build Roman. So when he can run it back. Like All of this stuff makes sense. At like Fastlane or something? Some stupid pay-per-view. Actually, I just kind of thought of this. Like, if Finn wins, you have the Roman Brock match at Crown Jewel. You don't need you don't need that to be for the Universal Championship. And it, you can have it be a bigger match later, whether they do that at WrestleMania or whether they do uh, Reigns versus Rock at WrestleMania. And you can have Reigns win it back later this year. Yeah. TLC or something like that. Yeah. I don't know if they would do it as late as Fastlane. I feel like you'd want to have Reigns be the champion by the time somebody wins the Rumble. Uh, I think I'm going to actually switch. Uh, yeah, I mean... I'm picking Finn, and I might be the one here, and I don't know if Dylan's going to do it, but like everything I said, it just makes too much sense. And being not the champion right now, I got to make some fucking picks that could push me above everyone else. I guarantee you most people that are going to be in y'all's group is going to pick Roman Reigns because it's fucking Roman Reigns. It's no, I've I've been sitting here trying to convince myself to pick Finn as well. And stop. We're talking Raven, about Finn Balor. Yeah, Raven doesn't agree with – it sounds like she does not agree with you, Joe. I, I'm, I'm, I'm picking Finn. I'm picking Finn. I, I wanted to pick Finn this entire time because I really don't think that he's going to lose – on his fucking first first match back. And go ahead and write it down, because Brock Lesnar was always going to be my fucking who not on the card. Yeah. That was the most obvious thing. And it makes world. and like it makes sense that if he's not on the card and he fucking hates Roman Reigns, that he attacks Roman Reigns. The thing that doesn't make sense in that, but maybe that's beyond WWE creative's mindset, is if he attacks Roman Reigns, oh man. He's going to attack Finn Balor, so it is for the Universal <laughs> Championship. God damn, they got me there. I don't think so. No, you're right. And so you, Finn Balor still deserves that Universal Championship run. Yeah, I agree. Roman wins it back at Fastlane or Elimination Chamber. I don't know why you or, keep saying Fastlane, because it's literally like weeks before Mania. Or the Rumble. I think it would be a TLC. I think they only give if they if Balor wins, it's like a few months as champion, and Roman wins it right back. I, I can assure you one thing: if Finn wins this match, he will not be Universal Championship or champion come WrestleMania time. I see Brock versus Roman versus Finn at the Royal Rumble. Whoa! I t- shut up and take all my money. 
<laughs> take my ten, take my ten, ten dollars, Peacock. Like you already do. And just be better, Peacock. Um, so we've already, you guys already alluded to it a little bit, but uh, prop bets. Uh, who not on the card will make an appearance? Uh, I, I just said to write it down. <laughs> yeah, I assume you're going with Chad. So Joe's going with Brock Lesnar. Put me down for Big E. Fuck you. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm gonna stick with Big E. Yeah, I think it's safer. I think it's a little safer. Yeah, and I'm already picking some crazy ones that I'm not overly happy about. So let me be a little safer with my prop bet. I'm gonna go Big E. Yeah, I I've been thinking Big E here for a while. I mean, he's the WWE champion, and he doesn't have a match on the card, so you kind of have to feature him in some sort of way on the show i think and at a, at a minimum to promote the the undertaker interactive movie oh yeah absolutely there is one thing with this that we have to mention so normally uh everyone's able to watch these pay-per-views live uh chad and i are once again on the shift where the pay-per-view is happening while we're at work yeah i'm not uh, gonna watch it live no is also not gonna be able to watch it live so normally uh, somebody that is one of the three of us is able to watch it live and we're able to call that person and, or that person's able to call us and be like, Hey, this person showed up or they made this match, make a prediction right now. And we're able to do that and change the predictions. Uh, or one of our who not on the cards will show up like in the, or they'll announce a match and our who not on the card will get canceled and we have to make a new one. We're not going to be able to do that this time. So these predictions that we make here today are going to be final. And if they add new matches, we're not going to predict them. Mostly and, because I don't trust Dewey to or Andy. And you still get credit for who not on the card. Yeah, and you'll still get credit for who not on the card. For example, like if they make a match with Big E versus somebody, uh, that will count. Okay, what if it happens before Sunday? Then obviously we can change, but okay. Yeah, that's the rules here for this one. Okay, sounds good. All right. Last blood. last prop bet. Yep. If there is blood, who will bleed? Uh Chad, we'll start with you. Uh Seamus. Fuck you, yeah. man. I was yeah. gonna say Seamus because he's white as fuck, which is the same thing I said last paper. One, he bleeds commonly. He's a, he he's like Cody on he bled, he on, bled Monday. on Monday. He's wearing that stupid face shield. It's a tables match now. It's just conf- I already was going to pick him, and now I'm definitely going to pick him because yeah. he bleeds from every location on his body. I don't remember if you remember the the Drew McIntyre Sheamus match where his elbows and the, the his back were getting all cut from doing basic moves in the ring. Sheamus, well, easy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I, I was never going to pick anyone except Sheamus. Well, damn. Usually we have some variety with the prop bets, but uh, not today. I think well, I said I mean, Brock Lesnar. I said, yeah. Usually we all have some pretty different picks, but I don't think we normally have all the same, like the same exact pick for like the same prop bet, though. See, even I just pulled up Bleacher's predictions, and even them says who gets the win and who takes the pin. So this might be breaking news. I'm mean, going be the first to report it on Sunday. <laughs> what do you mean? No, it's it, there's you know how a bleacher does that question and answer thing like a person answers one of the questions is in a, in an ideal situation who gets the win and who takes the pin for the triple threat yeah oh I see what you're saying oh well, they clearly even know clearly they yeah they don't even know it's a tables match fucking nerds 
God. They make so much more money than we do, too. That's that that has to be embarrassing. Yeah, they should really use Wikipedia as their source like us. Yeah, because you can't lie, like I said, you can't lie on Wikipedia. So well, all right. That's our predictions for extreme rules. Not really a pay-per-view that I'm looking forward to too much but you know after talking about it and uh hopefully if our predictions if at least if my predictions go the way that they do especially with our prediction for the finn balor match i'm looking forward to it for that reason especially hopefully he wins possibly a brock lesnar showing up but i'm I'm hoping not now because joe picked brock lesnar to show up but we'll see uh next week obviously we're going to have our beer ratings from that pay-per-view and we'll probably cover a bunch of news that comes out between now and Sunday and then whatever other news comes out. Maybe we'll have some more fallout from the dark side episode last week. I don't know what the dark side episode was this week, uh, but it's probably not going to be as crazy and have as much roar on the internet as the plane ride from hell. So we'll see. Uh, it did happen last night, but I didn't see anything online about it. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at DDT pod. Remember to rate, review, subscribe, whatever podcast platform you're listening on. We have been the Drunk Dudes, Dylan, Joe, and Chad this week. And we'll catch you on down the road. I was thinking about